Good afternoon, good evening, good morning and welcome people to episode 192 of Dude and a Monkey. We've been away for a few weeks uh, due to Christmas and things and my work and etc. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Mark Foster, and as ever I am joined by my co-host... Ian Loring, hello. And, and what do we have this week, Ian? It's our uh, uh, 2016 end of year show, midway through Ian. January. Yeah, it is midway through January, so... Now that you're all bored of, mid- uh, of end of year shows and lists and all that crap, and you want to get back to all the nice spangly new films that are coming out, um, we're going to regale you with our best of uh, and our worst and our surprises and uh, also our sort of disappointments. Uh, as ever, the rules are um, obviously best and worst. You can't have one of your best that's also when your worst, but any of your surprises or your disappointments can't also be in your worst or best as well. So, we usually do it, don't we? Uh, five disappointments, five surprises, ten worst, and ten best. Uh, so, I mean, well, without further ado, we might as well just get straight into it, really, don't we? Because there's not been that really much happen, has there? Um, nah, we're going to do, do within it, we're going to do um, mild spoiler alert, I suppose, for what will be on our list. But we are going to do uh, more detailed kind of reviews of both uh, Silence and La La Land uh, because we were actually planning to do uh, reviews of those films um, on other shows. But like I say, mainly due to be honest to my my working situation at the moment being a bit hectic, we'll say, um, end up having to postpone that. So we might give you a little bit a little bit more on Silence than we might have done uh, previous, and the same for La La Land. Um, so. Uh, Ian, do you want to uh, get us kicked off as I try and get a big magnet that I somehow got stuck to my chair <laughs> off it? Uh, with uh, your number 10, please, sir. So, um, well, as always, I did the top 20. <laughs> yeah. So, shall I just run through the 20 to 11? Yeah. Yeah, go on then. Cool. Uh, so, my number 20 was Zootropolis slash Zootopia. Uh, number 19, Pete's Dragon. Uh, 18, Green Room. 17, A Bigger Splash. 16, The Girl with All the Gifts. 15, Moana. 14, Hunt for the Wilder People. 13, Youth. 12, a film I literally finished watching 45 minutes ago, The Handmaiden. Uh, Park Chan-wook's new one, which is fucking filth. Yeah. Um, that, like... We'll we'll talk about it when you see it. Um, and eleven arrival. Oh, very nice. So very nice. my my, uh, my number ten is a film that won't be appearing on your best of list. Might be on your worst of. The witch. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, I'm gonna say my piece. Um, I think you should say your piece. Yeah, I think the witch is wonderful. Um, it's a film which is emphatically its director's vision um the framing the language used um the uh black philip um um blokey from the office um getting a really good meaty part um as the dad anya taylor joy is very, very good, and I can't like that. The fact that that's not even close to a real accent is astonishing. Uh, Kate Dickey is good, which she has a tendency of not being in some things. Um, 
and yeah, I I am a massive fan of The Witch. I find it very tense, um, incredibly atmospheric, and the ending is fucking fantastic because it's both happy and kind of disturbing at the same time. Uh, I, I I think it's a very 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 solid film and um, is the only film on my list that you would typically call a horror film so in a way it's my favorite horror film of the year even though i wrote about another film on the website which i called the year's best horror film even though no one's talking about it as a horror film and that's coming up later in my list and the same film i agree with you about on the fact that it is a horror film <laughs> yeah okay fair enough so that's my number 10 it's the witch Cool, very good, very good. Um, <laughs> nice one to start off with there. Uh, my uh, number 10 uh, is um, Richard Linklater's spiritual sequel um, to Dazed and Confused, um, Everybody Wants Some. Uh, that, 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 would, that would literally be like 21 or 22 on my list. Would it? Yeah. I, I, I wonder where, where it'd be on, on, on yours, actually, uh, for that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I thought, to be honest, uh, at the time, I, I thought this is going to be in my my top ten. Uh, when I, when we watched, I thought I'd be very surprised if it's in, in my top ten. I didn't think it was going to end up being sort of one to five, but I did very much think that it's going to be around my top ten somewhere. Um, and then as I got further away from it, I started to think maybe it was just the the fact that it was a link later film and the fact that it was it was it reminded me so much of Days and Confused and things like that. Maybe that's clouded my my imagery of it um, and then uh, I re-watched it and actually enjoyed it more on a second watch I, I was kind of putting up a second watch I thought I might end up enjoying it less and it might end up feeling its, its length and kind of lagging a little bit uh, which it, it absolutely didn't uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it on my second watch it's it's that mixture of uh, feel good sort of party time things with um, also setting it in a very specific sort of time period and and making the time period be, you know, you know I, don't, I don't want to use some, some, something as wanky as almost a character within the film, um, because it's not really in this type of film. Whereas in something like Boogie Nights, um, the eras are characters and kind of touch points within that. They're not in this. You know, it, it's, it's set in, I think, 1980, and it feels like it could be an 80s or a 70s movie. You're not quite sure. But it's the camaraderie that, that works really well and the kind of the college... Um, psychology of it all and I, I think one of the best scenes in the entire sequences in the entire film is when they're actually um when they're actually playing baseball mm-hmm. i think it's, it's, it's a wonderful little section um because it, it it's the one time where they're not being kind of jerks and dicks to each other and it's the one time where there's no there's no kind of um one-upmanship within them and when one of them does go for the one-upmanship he kind of gets put in his place but then the minute he, he kind of apologises, it's just a, that's cool. And it, it, it shows that, do you know what, he might be an arsehole, but he's our arsehole kind of mentality of it all. And I just thought it was it was a really sweet and nice film to, to watch, and I enjoyed spending time with the characters, which, for that type of film, it's exactly what you're supposed to get out of it. You don't, you don't learn anything from it. There's no life lessons to take from it. It is just a good time with characters that you can, that I, I suppose I was happy I spent time with. 
Yeah, I mean, it just it did ever so slightly um, dip for me, um, even though I think it was a very good breather for Link later after Boyhood. You know, that yeah. that film being such a kind of an epic mission to actually get going, and then like the kind of like award season trail Link later had to go on. I think that everybody wants some. It's a very good way to kick back and relax. It's just. It did dip for me um, on on a rewatch, but like I say, like literally, it would be twenty one, twenty two on my list. You know, it's um, the, the, I mean, the, the the films in my list are the films in my list, but it it would have been close. Yeah. Um. Okay. So my number nine is uh, Kubo and the Two Strings, which was my favorite animated film of the year. To be fair, uh, there are. There were two animated films in my 20 to 11, uh, Zootropolis and Moana, so solid fucking year for animation, frankly. But I think Kubo uh, kind of uh, takes it for me. It's um, a film that combines... It kind of feels like if Ghibli went CG, what they would be doing would be quite close to what you've got here. Um, but yeah. you know, made in America with an American voice cast. Uh, but it's got it's got that it's got that Ghibli kind of sensibility to it. It's um, the, the the visuals are wonderfully creative. The uh, idea of Kubo kind of um, playing his little um, uh, guitar instrument and 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 kind of like creating the stories through that is 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 a, a lovely little idea. Um, I mean, you you could say that maybe some of the plot stuff you see coming, but it's the, the the fact that it's as powerful as it is when it does come. I think is a testament to how involved you get in in the plight of Kubo, um, and and those around him. Um, it's also got one of the 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 best endings of the year for me. Um, the the kind of the, the moral at the heart of it of not always having to follow what you were in the past and just because you've gone down a particular road doesn't mean you you are defined by it um in, in the case of one particular character in the film is uh, is a, a wonderful moral which i think in the times in which we find ourselves is a, a heartening one to to take on that you know people can change and people can be better, and let's hope that certain powerful people in the in the world could somehow see that. I doubt it, but who knows? Um, so yeah, Kubo and the Two Strings. It's uh, and and the thing is with it as well. It was um, directed by um, the, the the head of Leica. I think his name is Travis Knight. Uh, it's Travis yeah. something. And I believe, he, like, basically his father, it, it's a little bit of a Megan Allison kind of thing where his father is a, a very big player in US business and essentially he was kind of being banked, essentially he bankrolled his son and bankrolled Leica uh, by extension. But the fact that you've got the studio head kind of, or production company head doing this, uh, but it not coming off as a product, a, pro, a project of ego, um, I, I, is 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 heartening, and uh, I, I think he shows tremendous skill here. So uh, yeah, I mean, like a man. I mean, like I don't, I didn't get on with Coraline, even though I do want to rewatch it because 
I, I think Parama, uh, Paranorman, the Box Trolls, and uh, Kubo are three really, really, really top draw films for family audiences, which are uh, I, I, I think do compete with the best of Pixar. Um, uh, but yeah. I mean, I mean. I think they maybe even have de- even more of their own identity, like you maybe because of the box office performance. But you don't ever hear talk of sequels to Leica films, and I, I mean certainly in the case of Coraline, I think they could have, um, but they they don't. I, I don't think they chase the money. It feels like the Pixar of getting on for twenty years ago, um, yeah. and uh, good on them. So yeah, Kubo and the Two Strings, it's wonderful. Yeah, incidentally, Trevor's Nike's dad's film out of Nike. There you go. <laughs> fucking Nike. There you there. go. Yeah, but um, we've said it before about the Megan Ellison thing, uh, and obviously you've got that there. Um, you know, there's been, I think, some kind of really warped criticism of saying, oh, well, you know, they're just playing around with daddy's money. It's like, all right, fuck it. Yeah, I don't care. They don't want to play around with daddy's money and give us something as good as, for instance... Um, Kubo the two strings. Fine. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, that's a lot better. That's a lot better than some things that people fucking do with with Daddy's money. And you know, Megan Ellison. You know, she bankrolls. You know, some. You know, we wouldn't get a new Paul Thomas Anderson movie if it wasn't for Megan Ellison saying, "I want to see the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie. I'm going to go in it." Because do you know what? Paul Thomas Anderson films have never made money ever. Mm. And, and, and I mean, that's how these things happen. And also, her production company have one of the best logos in the business at the moment. The Annapurna Pictures VHS kind of thing is is immense. It's, it's, it's nice. I did notice that the, the uh, new um, Summit um, logo and I did before films now is it, very nice. Oh, is that? Are they what the the one before La La Land? Yeah. Are they actually? I thought that was kind of like just for that film. I, 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 if, if, if that isn't just what it is now, then now I'm missing a trick. No, I, 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 I agree. Um, yeah, 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 no, absolutely. Yes. Cool, right, so that was your number eight then. Yeah. Um, Cuban Institution, a good choice. Uh, Instantly, Cuban Institution is my number 13. Oh, sorry, it's my number nine, but That was number nine, of course, yeah. yes, number nine. That was my number 13, with Cuban the two strings. Nice. Um, there. So, uh, my uh, number nine um, is a movie that will not be on, I don't think, anyone else's uh, top uh, list. Um, and it is uh, Anton Fuqua's The Magnificent Seven. Fucking hell, righto. Yeah. Um, the film I got raped in my seat for. Yes. <laughs> what wasn't it? Of course it was, yeah. <laughs> anyone who wants context of that we're not going to give you it go back and listen to our Magnificent Seven review mm, mm-hmm. um, so directed by uh, Anton Fuqua um, a, a remake of um, The Magnificent Seven which in itself is a kind of remake of uh, Seven Samurai um, and it's uh, starring I mean just it, what a cast um, Denzel Washington Chris Pratt Ethan Hawke Vincent D'Onofrio doing a really strange voice in it. Um, <laughs> just, I can't. I still can't work out how halfway through it's like he he decided or Anton Fuqua decided that voice is too fucking weird, man. <laughs> and they just kind of don't drop it. They just change it ever so slightly. Um, 
I had a tremendous amount of fun with the movie, but I also thought it, it ended incredibly well. Um, the fact that they they gave it consequence um, was was very nice. Uh, they could have they could have kind of almost altered history a little bit with it and given it a happier spin, a more 12A um, sort of millennial spin on it and had pretty much everybody survive, but they didn't. They they killed people off in very much a, oh, well, he's dead then, and he's dead, and he's dead. And it, it feels a little bit like this year, we kind of got the return of the Western that we've all been hoping for for the past sort of few years because we've had the occasional um, sort of good Western with you know things like Django coming out, which was fantastic. Um, but what they've always done is they've kind of they've held in kind of false dawns and then you know the western has been something that people have been trying to get back off the ground really I'd say since the early 90s when you had things like um, Tombstone and Last Man Standing and things like that and what they ended up doing was they ended up being almost westerns um, whereas Magnificent Seven you know along with if you if you almost can count Hateful Eight into things like that um a Valley of Violence, uh, which was, you know, not a terrible film, it was actually a pretty, a pretty solid film. Uh, was a, you know, that was a western, and then Helen um, Highwater is is a western, just because it's not set in the old west doesn't stop it from being a uh, being a western. Um, it, it does feel like we kind of we've kind of got that back, and people are not trying to make just flashy westerns. People are trying to make full on westerns, and I really, really like Magnificent Seven. It's, uh, it, it surprised me how much how much I enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's number it's number nine on my list. That fucker's out on 4K in a couple of weeks. That will look fucking beautiful on 4K. <laughs> yeah, Blu-ray.com. I've got a really positive review of the 4K. Um, the thing is, I'm not going to spend 25 quid on it. No, it's one of those, if you ever see it for like 12, 15 quid pop up on somewhere, mm. there that you could bite on that. Uh, or if it comes up 4K, obviously, on Netflix at some point or anything like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, Did you see that there's a definitive director's edition? Just just going tangent in slightly. Of Pete. Of Pete, yes. Are you thinking the same thing I'm thinking on that? What? That, that motherfucker better come on iTunes finally. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I uh, I started buying physical media again during our little break. Yeah, Blu-ray. Uh, yeah, I uh, I I may have bought an Xbox One for the 4K player again. That's <laughs> how you. But but that's the thing, and it was kind of because of heat. Was it? Yeah, because. I was looking on blue like I was just having a look on blu-ray.com and they were talking about the heat definitive edition it was like right okay yeah. from a 4K master it's got a conversation between Christopher Nolan and Michael Mann that's about 50 minutes long on the blu-ray okay cool where's where's the where's the pre-order on iTunes yeah. no nah, there isn't one not only that he's not available couple that with the 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 my insistence I have tweeted Warner Brothers pictures several times over the last year saying where's my Zodiac director's cut on iTunes <laughs> app yeah um also a- Alien is gonna be on 4K before Alien Covenant is released it's going to happen 
Yeah. And I I need I I do kind of need that. And the thing is, I picked up Lucy on 4K because Amazon had it for thirteen pound forty nine, which for a 4K is really good. Yeah. Uh, and they've started doing two for thirty pound in HMV and Amazon on 4K as well. So it's uh, it's coming down. And Lucy is from a 4K DI. And it looks fucking amazing. The black freckly things around Morgan Freeman's eyes have never looked more <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. I'm serious though. Like it, it like they are so f- clear. It, it's it's ridiculous. They are so <laughs> clear. So have you pre-ordered? So you pre-ordered um, Heat then? Oh mate, all over it, all all over it. Because the thing is, yeah. they're not bringing out a 4K Blu-ray of it yet. Um, see, see, I'm I'm on a a, a Blu-ray a, a, a Blu-ray ban I've put myself on, but I'm waiting. And if that if if it doesn't just crop up on iTunes, then I'll be buying that day one because I I, I want to watch that definitive edition, and also I want to watch that 50 minute conversation between Nolan and Man because oh I, I I could listen to either of those guys talk 50 minutes about film, them two talking to each other. Michael Mann actually is just an incredibly fascinating guy to, to listen to talk about film. It's incredible, especially when you when you go back through like his his history of how he kind of got into film, where he, he came to the UK and worked as a journalist in the UK um, and ended up taking up um, sort of film journalism from there. Not film journalism had been a film writer, but making film journalistic films, uh, much the same way as um, Paul Greengrass did. Um, so it's, it's fascinating how he did that, and the, both of them have this meticulous nature to them that, that kind of lends itself very well to those types of things. Nice, yeah. No, I, it's um, the thing is, I know they're actually going to announce a 4K Blu-ray for it at some point. But uh, I mean, but also, and, and, what, what, what's, what's, what's the, what, the thing is? You thing is, you'll watch the Blu-ray, you'll watch the documentary. Then, if you want, when the what is it comes out? When the 4K comes out in six months, eight months, or a year's time, you can sell the Blu-ray. You'll probably still get a fiver for yeah, it. Yeah, and. You can buy the, the 4K and you'll watch the 4K again. It's not like it's something that you'd never watch again. So you, you can feel perfectly justified in going, do you know what? I'm buying that because I want to watch the film and I want to watch the features now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and oh God, since I last had a 4K player, they brought out Goodfellas. Ooh, yeah, yeah that, a, that transfer is very nice, apparently. It, isn't it? It, yeah, it's a 4K scan, and Blu-ray.com give the transfer one out of five. Ooh. Um, apparently, um, the calibr like the calibration against which they've made the transfer was completely fucked. And the black levels are, are really, really wrong. Um, mm. And apparently the Blu-ray of that new 4K scan that came out last year is actually a better watch than the 4K. <laughs> um, the, blu- the Blu-ray, uh, the new Blu-ray that came out last year is supposed to look incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, yeah, it's something to do with the HDR because, um, like... 
they're applying HDR to everything, even when it didn't originally have like have HDR, and uh. that apparently that re- they really fucked the dog with it on um, on Goodfellas. But um, I don't know. It'll probably be a tenner at some point, then I'll pick it up and see. But anyway, um, my number eight. Yes, your number eight. The aforementioned Hell or High Water. Ah, it will come there. All right, fuck it, we'll talk about it then. Then, all right, uh, your your number eight, sir. Uh, my number eight is Deadpool. Wow. Okay. Yes, uh, it's my number eight. Um, I I love Deadpool. I, I absolutely did love Deadpool, uh, and I think it's fantastic. Um, does it appear there on your list, or is it well outside of that? Uh, um, uh, no, I mean, Deadpool and Civil War would would both be in a top 25, to be fair. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, not quite. Yeah, Deadpool, um, it was in, in, in mine. Uh, I originally, um, what I kind of do is, a lot of the time with, with place number 10, is sometimes the place number 10 is I reserve for something that I look at and go, do you know what? The films in 11, 12, 13, 14 might be better, but I enjoyed that more. And originally I was thinking that would be what it was for Deadpool. But when I actually started making my list and I was narrowing it down and down and down, um, and I got to like a 14, 15, it just it sat in at number eight quite nicely. Um, and I thought, do you know what? I'm happy that it's there. Um, and... It's a film that I was very much looking forward to. It's a film that I was very much behind. Um, and it was also a film that I very much uh, enjoyed the fact that it didn't just suck, which should have put it in surprises. But actually, it's a really good movie. It's a really fun movie. Um, it's it's kind of... It's given a prod to a lot of things. Um and it, 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 it's allowed a lot of the, the, the myths, I suppose, about um, about the way that we can approach comic book movies in the fact is, well, they've got to be 12 eight, you won't have an R-rated comic book movie that won't, that'll, that'll work. You know, we tried it when we had things like The Spirit and things like that that didn't fucking work. Uh, and they'll, they'll point to all those. Well, Deadpool kind of points to it and says, you know what, if you do it right, it'll work. It's mm. not... Deadpool didn't, didn't succeed... And they nailed um, the um, the marketing for it. They generated such a buzz for people going to see it that it, it, it genuinely, when you see the the bullshit of the worldwide phenomenon, you on trailers and you think, hmm, not really sure that's a phenomenon, but carry on. Uh, Deadpool did kind of become a bit of a phenomenon. It it it, it took February and it went, hey, fuck you, and it, it's. Almost that and the previous year's um, Fifty Shades of, of, of Grey have kind of made February into a, right, that's a hot shit spot now. Um, and it, it's deserved all the praise and all the money and everything that it's made. And, you know, it, number two's got a lot to live up for and already it's going through tour productions. But, uh, yeah, I just, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Deadpool. It was well worth the wait, and I'm just glad that it wasn't just clever marketing. Uh, there was actually a really fun and enjoyable movie at the end of it there. Yeah, no, well, I mean, I'm, I'm in agreement, man. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I, I've, I've seen it twice. I, I look forward to another watch. Um, I'm intrigued to see what they could, uh, what they do with the sequel. Um, 
I thought the action was, I mean, it was funny and it was entertaining and the opening sequence was, was very good, but the, the, I don't know, the, the film was quite dreary in its colour palette and I remember it all being very grey and I, I, I've got a feeling that and just like the whole, okay, we've got a action sequence in a shipping yard, we've got an action sequence on a motorway, but it feels very much like a closed off bit of motorway. I don't know that I'm looking forward to the, 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 the bigger budget and they're kind of trying to push things a bit more with the, with the second one, even if Reynolds is kind of said he still wants to keep the, the dark comedy heart at the center of it, which is absolutely the right thing to do, but I'm looking forward to them pushing it. Um, it, it will. I mean, an extra, an extra 10 million, um, put into that movie to polish up the effects would have had a positive impact. But the mm-hmm. fact is that they didn't think it was... They thought it was maybe going to just about make its money back. Oh, yeah, I mean... Jesus they could spend... I think, I think the budget on the next one's only $100 million, which sounds crazy saying it's only $100 million, but the budget on that was about $40, 50000000 million. So yeah. it's still double the budget. But even if that film bombs and makes $10 million, it's still in fucking profit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like Deadpool two will be huge as long as they yeah. don't inflate the, the, the budget too much. But I mean, good good on it. It's the success story of the year in in film, I think, really, isn't it? And and fair play to all involved. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do our disappointments next? We've been quite positive. Let's let's be bastards now. Uh, sure. And should we run down? And we'll do these one after each other. I think we usually do these, but don't we? Yeah. Uh, one after each other for disappointments. So. Um, I, I'll, I'll go first, seeing as you just went beyond sure, the rate. I'll go first on this. So, disappointments. Um, not necessarily films that I didn't like, just films that I kind of expected more of and then just didn't um, didn't get what what was billed, I will say. So, my uh, number five in disappointment uh, is 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, <laughs> wow, okay. A, a, a movie that that is there. A lot of it is there because... It, it kind of it's it was never conceived as a a Cloverfield universe film. It was never conceived as being part of the Cloverfield Field now uh, is, is a little bit like what John Carpenter wanted for um, Halloween after Halloween yeah. two, which was to have a series of films called Halloween. Blah, and then not be about um, Michael Myers, then just be about Halloween and maybe have a nod to Myers within there, but essentially be spiritual films within that. Uh, and Tim Cloverfield Lane tried to pretend it was that, except it was just tagged on at the fucking end. So what we were told was we were getting Tim Cloverfield Lane, oh, it's a Cloverfield movie, it's a Cloverfield movie, but it's not like a sequence like that, but it's a Cloverfield movie. And what we actually got was a Mary of Winstead uh, being haunted by John Goodman movie. Um, and it, I kind of feel, do you know what? If that was the movie and you'd advertise that and it was just called The Bunker or something like that, I'd have probably got a lot more out of it. But the the shameless for marketingness of it left a bad taste in my mouth uh, and um, that is why it is number five in my disappointment. I like Ten Cloverfield Lane. I'm looking forward to rewatching it. But that's anyway, that's fine. I, I will actually rewatch it at some point. But it's just it disappointed me in its cynicism of not being able to believe in itself. 
Fair enough. Um, my uh, my number five is Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, uh, <laughs> which they should have never gone back. Um, they should have gone back. I mean, the, the first Jack Reacher it, it is a, a, a really fun, pulpy, kind of old-school throwback thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, I mean, like Robert Duvall teaming up with Tom Cruise at the end is is fun. Werner Herzog popping up as the Zek is is gold. And, you know, it's got some good twisty-turny stuff going on in it. Jack Reacher Never Go Back feels like the pilot episode of a TV series spin-off of Jack Reacher. It doesn't yeah. feel like a film. Um, yeah, absolutely right. And um, a bit of actually. Yeah, I, I like. It, I don't know. Like it palpably feels like there was like there's less production value. Um, Cruz doesn't really seem to care all that much, which is weird considering it's all a massive like passion project for him. Um, Kobe Smolders kind of shows why she's not really on the big screen all that much. Um, which maybe sounds a bit harsh and probably is, but hey, it's not. Um, it's not. She's one of the most. She's she's fine, but she's so incredibly vanilla and pedestrian. Yeah, I mean, but she's yeah, she's fine. Um, uh, yeah, I I don't know. It just it it feels like a sequel. No one was particularly asking for, and it came. And now I think Paramount are basically just saying, right, Mission Impossible Six, fucking do it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, never go back. Cool. Uh, okay, my number four uh, in our disappointments is Now You See Me Too. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed uh, Now You See Me. I thought it was it was a, a movie that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, uh, ended up being a little bit of a, a slow burning hit, really, uh, the first Now You See Me. Um, and then Now You See Me Too came out. Um, came out really, really late. It came out, like, nobody actually asked for a sequel, but there were a few people going, all right, I'm all right with a sequel. I'll, 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 I'll definitely take a sequel. Mm-hmm. And then you watch the sequel and go, yeah, I, I, I didn't want a sequel. That's boring. It was just dull. It, it, it kind of it alters your opinion on the first one because you go from Matt Ruffalo being the uh, infallible guy to being the incredibly fallible guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's rubbish. Like, his character is just kind of useless, and in the first one, he's, like, the master manipulator. Oh, God, yeah. It it, 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 it twists that. Um, Whereas the first one, it was a lot of tricks that seemed, um, and illusions that seemed kind of feasible um, for what they were doing. So you had, uh, when they were, obviously, became the Four Horsemen, the illusions and the tricks got bigger because they had more money behind them. But when you saw them essentially doing their mini kind of street magic... Whereas now you see me too, it was just right. We've got a little bit more money. Let's 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 just CGI the fuck out of all these illusions. We can do whatever we want. We can have him disappear into rainwater and things like that. All just felt a little bit, a little bit lazy. Oh well, I'll write this. Well, can that trick actually be done? It don't matter. We'll do it with CG. All oh, right. Uh, fuck it. And it just it felt a little bit like that. I spent like the first ten minutes uh, of it going. in the first one. Before I remembered it, yes, he was in the first one. Um, Lizzie Kaplan didn't work at all. She was too Lizzie Kaplan in it. Um, yeah, it was it's just a real disappointment. And it's, it was dull. It should have been dull. Yeah, I mean, um, are, we, are we doing a bottom ten or a bottom five this year? 
I think we're doing a bottom. I'm doing a bottom ten. But I'm yeah, okay. So, five, so, but uh, it's it, it's in my it's in my bottom ten. I'll I'll just say it's my number ten. Um, oh, yeah, right. no, it's 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 fucking rubbish. Um, <laughs> it is fucking rubbish. Um, yeah, okay. So my number four is Oliver Stone Snowden, um, oh. a film which feels entirely pointless. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've still not seen it. Citizen Four is perfectly good enough. It, it's weird. It's the second Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays a real life guy, but you may as well watch the documentary about yeah. the real life guy in two years. Um, it is, yeah. Man on Wire is better than The Walk. Yes, The Walk has The Walk, but apart from The Walk, The Walk is rubbish. Um, Snowden, it, it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing a voice for absolutely no reason because the guy doesn't even sound like that. It, it, I mean, that, it's, that is a mental choice from him. I don't know what he was doing. Um, Nicholas Cage... I think he was trying to do... I think he was trying to do uh, Edward Snowden's voice and just didn't quite make it. No, no. I, oh, my God. Uh, I mean, Nicholas Cage rocks up for a few scenes and is the least Cage he's been in years. And what's the point in getting Nicholas Cage these days if you're not going to get him to be Cage? Um, Nicholas Cage, no. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, um, I, I don't know. It just, it's... It, and I mean, the thing is, the reason why it's disappointing is because you've got Oliver Stone doing political stuff again, and you want it to be firebrandy. You yeah. you want it to be provocative. And this this isn't. It's eulogising a guy who is I, I you know I I I don't know. It, I'm very I'm very very ambiguous on him myself. I. I totally see what he's doing, but... I think he very much... I think what he thinks he's doing is absolutely right. And I think that he is right in doing what he thinks he's doing is right. It's just I'm not sure how right it actually is. Yeah. I think he's doing it for all the right reasons. His reasons are right. I'm Mm. just not sure... He's willing to consider the reasons for why it might not be the right thing to do, which is different to it being right. Yeah, I mean, like he's he's a perfect example of why things aren't always black and white. You know, yeah. he, he's a very grey area figure. Is is Edward Snowden? And I mean, like Julian Assange used to be, but now it kind of seems like he's basically being fucked in the ass by Russia. So, you know, that that is what it is as well. Um, I mean, but fuck, Snowden's better than the Fifth Estate. I'll say that much. Um, (laughs) um, So, even though the Fifth Estate had Daniel Brühl, and he was actually quite good in that. So, hey, um, yeah. And uh, Shailene Woodley getting a really thankless uh, part as the girlfriend as well. Um, Yeah, it's it's not very good as Snowden, and I'm not surprised it sank without a trace. It really did, didn't it? Yeah, I've still not seen it, so I, I, I might end up really fucking liking it. Fair but enough. I also, I also might end up really fucking hating it. So we, we, we shall see shortly when I watch it very soon. Yeah. Um, my number three uh, disappointment is um, Girl the Train. That's fair. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, a a um, a book that you turned into a film where you could have made a very stylish and a very cool. Um, not cool in the sense of um, 
fucking cool as in it having a remix fucking Beyonce soundtrack or anything like that, but a really up to date alright thriller is what you had there. That's what, that's kind of where the book's leaning towards. Um and you could have that mystery element of things like that, uh, all, all mixed in. And even the cast was all set out and was there to do that. Um, what you end up getting is just this really grey, dreary-looking um, plod-along mystery where everybody is a bit of an arsehole in it. Nobody's that fucking nice in it. Uh, and by the time you get to the end of it, you're like... All right. Well, it, it's kind of it's kind of rank the bastard, and um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's probably the least bastardy. But it was, do you know what? The film was actually better when she was the bastardiest. Um, and when it, it twists that uh, actually what's happened is Justin through has kind of used her alcoholism to sort of twist it in his uh, into his uh, version of events being what's happened rather than it it being that she's the bastard. It kind of lost it for me, and it made me go, no, the, the more interesting story is that it's not the the fucking constantly trod, he's doing it, he's my to manipulator, he's the, he's the big bad. It was better when she was the big bad in it, and it would have made, it would have been a better, a better movie. I, you know, fair enough, the booking like that, but, you know, okay, you can change endings and shit like that. I just, I felt once it did that, it, 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 it trod too too much of a, a familiar path and just ended up fiddling out. And like I say, when, you, when you're filming, when, you, when you've got that cast and you're filming at that scale, it shouldn't look like an ITV drama, and it did at points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, um, I wasn't expecting much of it just because that uh, the, the, the trailer, the... Uh, my a teacher once told me I was the yeah. mistress of whatever the fuck self reinvention. I, I like as soon as I heard that, it was like okay, we're in trouble here. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's Emily Blunt is so much better than everything around her in that fucking film. It's it's it, it, I mean it's it's almost depressing. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, there you go. Um, okay, my uh, my number three is a film we were planning on reviewing. Um, back when Mark used to have something called free time, um, <laughs> uh, Assassin's Creed. Um, so not even worse. That that hasn't made worse. There's ten movies worse than that. No, I mean it. It, it, it was. It, it, it would have been. It, it would have been close. I'd be tempted to say if I didn't review horror films for Vodzilla, it probably would be in there. Um, but just escape that that thing. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so. Um, I'll talk a bit about Assassin's Creed then. Um, yeah. So, I was really looking forward to this, despite the word, because Fassbender and Kurzel did Macbeth a couple years back, and that thing was fucking amazing. Um, I love their version of Macbeth. Um, there, there, I mean, there is imagery in, in that film that I still remember today, and massive fan of the opening titles in it as well, by the way. Um which I kind of thought Assassin's Creed was going to ape at one point because there's a bit of an opening crawl kind of thing. Um, so Assassin's Creed, I saw it last Saturday, literally this time last week I was in the cinema watching it, um, in Dolby Atmos, which sounded very nice, uh, by the way. Um, and what's the story of Assassin's Creed? What is? Can anyone tell you? 
Um, uh, Fassbender plays uh-huh. a guy who who dies or who is put to death, but then it turns out he's not put to death. He's actually in a facility called Aspergo, I think, where he's being kept by Marion Cotillard and Jeremy Irons, and they say to him, you can leave pretty much whenever you want, bud, but you're not gonna, because we're not gonna let you, even though we're saying we are. It's very passive-aggressive. And, um, oh god, what is it? Alright, so they are a part of an organisation of Templars who uh, put Fassbender in the Animus, where he then lives out historical events that an ancestor of his lived through the Spanish Inquisition. And they're doing this because they want to find the Apple of Eden, which somehow can stop people from having free will. Um, And the assassins are people who were against the Templars. And there's a bunch of other assassin-y folk in the Institute who historically have been against Marion Cotillard and Jeremy Irons, except they're stuck in this place. So they're doing stuff for Marion Cotillard and Jeremy Irons, apart from when they're not. And when they're not, they're rioting for some reason. And they're helping Fassbender? You've seen it, and even you seem a little bit like, I'm not really sure what's going on here. <laughs> no, no, it's basically, it's the an- people whose ancestors were the, were the assassins are given, are, are, are taken to a place where their ancestors' enemies are keeping them captive, but their ancestors' enemies keep weapons in glass things all around them. So if they ever wanted to revolt, they would just have to get the weapons out of the glass things and then start killing motherfuckers. Um, while Fassbender, because his dad killed his mum, or did he, or he did, but his mum wanted to him to kill her, I think. <laughs> and that's not a spoiler, because I actually don't know. Yeah. That, that, I think that happened. Um... And the thing is, I was sober and I drove, so I know I was sober. Um, but I couldn't really tell you what happens. The action's good when it's in the in the past, and it's all subtitled, which is uh, which is good of them. Um, but the the past stuff is maybe a quarter to a third of the runtime. The rest of it. It's pretty much in this institute where they're having conversations. They're not very interesting conversations. (laughs) You don't really want them to have the conversations. You just want the parkour and the kind of like leap of faith stuff and the fighty stabby. But you don't get that in a lot of it. It's a lot of conversations about things. And then the ending, um, I thought an action sequence was going to happen because... There's a sequence where... Spoiler alert for Assassin's Creed, you don't care, do you? No. Okay. The Assassins have all broken out of the Institute after Fassbender, even though he's told 
he was living out memories of his ancestors. Suddenly, his an his ancestor he's in the body of his ancestor, and his dead mum comes up to him, and it's like, well, what's going on there then? Because she only died like ten years ago, and now, or twenty years ago, she wasn't in the Spanish Inquisition, or was she? I don't know. And now she's chatting to him. Okay, fine. So they break out. But Jeremy Irons has already gone off with the Apple of Eden to London for a meeting with some Templars. And they're in London. And then a bunch of people with um, hoods come up and um, get through all the security gates in in London. Um, And they've all got weapons on them. And you can see they've all got weapons. And uh, one person gets killed, and it's Jeremy Irons. One, One person out of this whole room of Templars... And all these assassins coming in with all their blades and all their hoods up, which considering they all seem to put their fucking hoods up all the way through the film, would seem to give an indication that, hey, maybe some assassins are here. Considering all the assassins broke out of 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 our institute and now all these people are rocking up who we don't recognise and they've all got their hoods up, maybe they're assassins. <laughs> and then Jeremy Irons make, makes a speech with this Apple of Eden... And then stuff starts coming out of the apple, and I don't remember the apple having the power to make stuff come out of it, like smoky stuff. Genuinely, I don't remember that happening in the film at all, and then that happens. Um, and then all the lights go down, and then Fassbender comes up again, uh, behind Irons and kills him, and then fucks off. And then him and two other assassins are standing on a building in London, looking at the London Eye, and then the credits roll. And I, I haven't got a fucking clue. Like, it just... The last action sequence is about 20 minutes before the end of the film. Oh. And then you've got this bit where Fassbender stabs Jeremy Irons. And if that was supposed to be an action sequence, then I'm not... I, maybe I momentarily fell asleep. I don't think I did. But, yeah, it, it's really, really, really stupid. Um, it it's really a fucking dumb. It's it's actually it maybe should be in my bottom ten. <laughs> Almost convince yourself that it actually should be in your bottom ten. Yeah, no. I mean, the thing is though, the action is 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 actually pretty well done in the in the um, Spanish Inquisition sequences. Um, there's a chase sequence which is pretty fucking brilliant. Um. So, I mean, there's that, and it looks nice. Um, you know, the cinematography in the, in the old... Everything in, in the Spanish Inquisition bit is all right, but it's only about a half hour, 40 minutes of the film, and the rest of it is really shit. But you've got that 40 minutes, which is all right. Anyway, I'm I'm glad it's losing money. Not even though then then Fassbender produced it, but then he should have done a better job. So fuck it. Yeah, it is shit though. Like I'm glad we didn't review it because it would have been a really bad review. You wouldn't have liked it. Is it? Yeah, there you go. That's it. What's your uh, What's your number three? My uh, number three, uh, no, number two, sorry, disappointment, uh, is oh, um, Jack Reacher, which we already spoke about. Um, okay. Yeah, it, it, it's, 
It shouldn't. It should never have been allowed to be a twelve eight rather than a fifteen. One of the things that um, shit. That yeah. Now. Good call. Yeah. 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 Is the fact is that uh, I actually do think it, it's. I don't think it should have even been a twelve eight. I do think it should have been a fifteen. I, I don't think a twelve eight. You should have Jack Reacher essentially body slamming someone's neck broken um, in it and calling that sex sex was a twelve. Um, it's a bizarre one. Uh, if you're going to do that and you're going to just get away with a 12 a why don't you just go for a fucking 15? The first movie was a success because it, and it was a 15. Should have never compromised it and they did compromise it. So yeah, my number two disappointment uh, is Jack Reacher because I genuinely think that the first Jack Reacher is a fantastic movie and this just let the whole, let everything down. Mm-hmm. So what, what's your number two in disappointment? Uh, Batman vs Superman. I've seen the thing three times um, for some reason, um, and um, yeah, I, I um, yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've, I, I, um, I, I watched it in the cinema. I watched the Ultimate Edition um, downloaded, and then I watched the Ultimate Edition in 4K. It looks really good in 4K, in fairness, but. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, like, because the thing is, I really, really like Man of Steel. I don't care what anybody says. I really like Man of Steel. Um, so this crowds Superman out of a film where he's in the title. Um, and it's supposed to be a sequel. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Batfleck is is good. Um, I I enjoy the Batman sequences very much, um, but. I mean, Martha is is just that whole thing is one of the the worst things I've seen with my eyes um, and heard with my ears. It's I I just I why is he calling his mum Martha? <laughs> and, and I mean, when the whole fight starts, I know I know they have to have a fight because it's Batman versus Superman, but it's just like I don't know. Superman literally tries to talk to Batman once, and then Batman, I can't remember what, but does something that kind of stops him, and then Superman's suddenly like, right, I've just got to punch him until he stops trying to hit me, and then I can actually talk to him, and it's the worst. I I, I just, it it doesn't, I actually know, the worst is Doomsday, Um, or or, or to an extent, Jesse Eisenberg. even like, even though, I, I don't know, he's just like a kind of like parallel universe, Mark Zuckerberg. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it's, it's bobbins and who knows what's going to happen with Justice League. But would I watch it again? Yeah, because I'm a fucking idiot. Um, yeah. I, no, I, yeah. No, no disagree on that one. This for your three times of watching within a year. <laughs> Uh, I mean, oh God, the Ultimate Edition is like three hours long as well. What am I doing? Um, there, are, there are films that I wish I'd seen this year, if, in, if a possible inclusion in my lists, and yet I've seen Batman vs Superman three times. So um, yeah, all right. Yeah. What's your number one? My number one disappointment is uh, Batman the Killing Joke. Uh, the oh fuck on- me, yeah. Of, of the Killing Joke. Um, Sorry. One of my favourite books. Uh, not just one of my favourite graphic novels. Uh, one of my favourite books uh, up there with with uh, with Watchmen. Uh, and, and and the Bible. And I was dead excited. 
And, and of course, the Bible. Um, uh, so, yeah, not the King James one, though. Uh, one that I, I found uh, in a seedy hotel. Um, yeah, and it's, uh, it has to elongate the runtime to make it uh, possible to be a, a feature film, a feature-length movie, rather than just a, a special that they could have released in cinemas, which would have made sense um, if you could have made a special out of it um, and then tacked on the, the very interesting doc- documentary that was uh, before it. Uh, about the the making of it and about um, Matt Hamill's history as the uh, as playing the the voice of the Joker, uh, which was very interesting. Uh, instead, they tack on another story that that feels like it was written in the early nineties uh, when sexual politics were was still uh, a, a a very um, something very much in their infancy in the way they approach. Um, equality, etc. Um, and I'm not one who, who who beats on about about that bullshit. I think a lot of the time people look for it um, rather than actually find it. Uh, is what I'd say there. But in the Killing Joke, it, it, it very much is. It is there. It's 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 terribly. Is all I'm gonna say. Um, yeah, it, it was a huge disappointment because even even taking away from that, the actual the punch moments of. Um, of the killing joke, it doesn't nail any of them. Um, it misses the mark on, on all of them. And I think for anybody who is is that much of a fan of the book, uh, it, it, it felt a little bit like a bit of a sucker punch. Um, the fact that you finally got it and then it was less than, than what it could have been uh, and certainly less than what it deserved. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I... Um... It, it's it's a bad fucking film. Um, it's just I hadn't read the book, but it, yeah, I mean the, the stuff that they, yeah, the stuff they do there, it's it's not good. It's not good. No. no. Um, my number one is Blair Witch. Um, it for, might be for points, but it might make another list. Yeah, no, fair. I yeah, fair enough. Um, it's just. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. It's the the guys who did A Horrible Way to Die, You're Next, and The Guest, which I, at the very least, like. Um, doing a new Blair Witch film. That's a really? Game changer, I think. Game Sorry? Changer. It's a game changer, though. Yeah, yeah. Game I mean, changer. that 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 trailer that will live in infamy. Um, really smart marketing campaign. And they've done... They they have a film which has got by far just speaking of like uh, female depictions on film by far um, Adam Winberg and Simon Barrett's uh, least compelling fe- lead female character um, scares which are literally loud noise slash like jumps in the edit scares. Um, it does little to expand on the on on the mythology of of Blair Witch. Um, I, I I I yeah I don't know. It just I was really really pumped for it. I went to see it was like a Odeon screen unseen thing where it was either Blair Witch or the Girl with All the Gifts, which was number sixteen in my list this year, and. I was really, really hoping it was Blair Witch. And when it came up saying Blair Witch on the title card, people in the audience cheered. So people were up for it. 
and by the end I, I i very much wished it wished it was the girl with all the gifts um it's just it i mean the thing is it's already a footnote it did really badly and that is i i'm convinced it is because of word of mouth yeah, the weird thing is it, it it could be called a success because it made a, it made a lot of money in comparison to its budget hoping it was going to make. Yeah, no, right. the usual the usual idea of with, with something like Blair, Blair Witch. Um, so, for instance, you know, and we've spoken about it loads of times. Everyone knows but the fact is that if a movie costs one hundred and fifty million dollars, it's got to make three hundred million dollars because you, you've got to take it to buy play marketing, right? Well, Blair Witch costs five million dollars, right? They didn't spend just five million dollars on marketing. They probably spent three times that amount on marketing because mm. that film was marketed heavily. So you may be looking at a, let's say, 20 million budget there, including your marketing, right? So it'd have to make 40 million to make its budget back, which it made just over 45 million. But I think they were expecting that film to plump 100 million. Oh, yeah. No, no, for sure. For sure. I mean, um, uh, the thing is, horror has done really well at the box office this year. Um, I mean, Don't Breathe made a shitload for the budget. Lights Out did really well for its budget. Conjuring 2 like had quite a big budget comparatively but still made a shit ton so not not a billion as I think I tried to say on one of the podcasts a while back I don't know where the fuck I got that from yeah no I don't know where I got that from I'm sorry but um but no I mean still I think it made about 300 million worldwide which is still really really fucking good just to say lights out uh 4.9 million budget uh, and nowhere near the marketing budget of Blair Witch, uh, 149 million. Yeah, there you go. You know, Blair so I mean, 149 million. Yeah, yeah. The country too, yeah, made over 300 million. Um, the Shallows made 120 million. Oh, there you go. The Shallows as well. Yeah, quite. So, I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, like horror did well at the box office this year. If your horror film failed, you can't say it's because. It it wasn't its year, no. you know. It's it's something else. The marketing for Blair Witch as well it was kind of all over the place, and the, you know the whole name change thing was clever. The quotes on in the trailer were like there to get people amped, and then it was just it it it, it was what it was, which was a really really <laughs> average like painfully average horror film which if it played at fright fest wouldn't have been talked about in that that greater tone it 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 it, it lost its it lost its its flow and its mojo with its marketing once people started to watch it yeah yeah and you know the fact, that, the fact that it came out in the us uh, a couple of weeks before it came out in the uk meant that by the time it got to the uk everybody was already a bit like but we know it's shit yeah yeah i mean i it it always kind of baffles me sometimes like these like screen unseen and like the cinema world unlimited screenings and stuff like when the thing is they would only usually do that kind of thing if they were sure that the film would get a good a good response generally so i don't know what it was that made them think they were going to get a good response about about blair witch because it generally isn't very well liked. I mean, I wonder what it's doing on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, 
Blair Witch is 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, there you go. So, you know... 5.1 on IMDb. A what? On a 5.1 on IMDb. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, that that's the thing. It's like, it just... It, it, it didn't really get any traction, and yet they did this thing like a week before it came out to try and get buzz. And I mean, Christ, it inspired me to fucking write a review, which I'd never do, like, if I'm not getting paid for it, frankly, these days. And, um, yeah, I, I, it just, it was shit. It was just shit. Yeah, there you go. Um, anyway, I'm sure you'll talk about it maybe a bit more um, at some point. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, cool. Cool. Uh, right, uh, so we shall get in uh, with your number seven, my good man. Um, oh, shit it off, yeah. Okay, uh, bear with me. I had it up a second ago and I went to Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, my number seven is A Monster Calls, um, which made me cry. So, there you go. Um, uh, a, a really, really interesting depiction of um, grief and how you process it which another film later on is going to be talk- uh, is going to be uh, referring to that as well in a way actually two other films um, it I, I think Lewis McDougall in the lead role is, is very good I think Felicity Jones yes she is young but they also make it very clear that she and Toby Kebbell had the kid very young and I think it also her age plays well into the tragedy of her character uh, essentially dying and it's not a spoiler it's the fucking plot of the film yeah. um uh, it, it's got Juan uh, Antonio Bayona it, it, it's basically doing his his and del Toro's Spanish language type of stuff in the English language um with its um a kind of depiction of uh, mystical na- elements from nature, um, and also some really interesting animated segments in it, in, in it as well. While uh, these stories that the, uh, the the monster are telling are, are told, um, but it's all rooted very much in very very human emotions of of grief and um guilt. Uh, I, I I think it's a masterful film and one which doesn't seem to have really caught light um at the box office or critically but I, I i think may well be uh reinterpreted later on down the line i i, I mean I, I i wrote a piece for the site about it and um yeah I, I i think it's a it's a it's a pretty fucking great film it's just there are uh, other films on the list which i hold to my heart a bit more cool uh right so my uh number seven um is the Jake Gyllenhaal film uh, Demolition, um, which uh, <laughs> kind of plays to plays to the, the, the top films that I that I get off on that I that I like. Uh, in the almost film. almost made my twenty as well. Yeah, uh, in the fact that it, it, it's a broken kind of man film. Um, what I love about Demolition is it it it, it tries to um, it, it it opens up. Um, with the tragedy of this guy losing his wife, um, and him looking back at that and looking at it and saying that essentially he he neglected his wife and neglected his relationship um, by just kind of easing himself through life, and then decides that he's going to take his life down and demolish his life to kind of to find what was wrong and then kind of rebuild it, and it isn't until about sort of. The two thirds of the way through the movie, that you actually see 
what you're actually thinking of, of kind of championing him and this this idea of of him soul searching anything like that is actually you actually find out that actually he wasn't as big a problem in his relationship as he thought he was, um, and that he did pay more attention to his wife than he thought he did. It's just that was his nature within that, and it turns out that his wife was actually wasn't this brilliant shining light that he thinks she was and that everybody else thinks that she was. And then you essentially hit upon the fact that what you've actually been watching, you haven't been watching a guy um, go through all this soul-searching and try to find himself and look sort of deep within and try and find out what's, what's at his core and anything like that. You're actually watching a guy having a full mental breakdown and then a crash. And it's, it's that kind of harmless when it, when it hits you, when that moment hits you. Uh, um, as you're watching it, it does kind of knock you for six a little bit. Oh, it did me anyway. Um, it kind of knocked you for six, six of the fucking hell. That's it's the, the the we talk a lot, I think, about um, nowadays about the, the treatment of mental illness in film and everything like that. And here is a perfect depiction of of somebody going through a full mental breakdown. Yet when we're viewing it before we we actually realise what it is, um, you kind of. You're almost laughing at the fact that he's breaking his apartment up with his um, with this woman that he's just met. That he's kind of a, a comfort to him, uh, a comforting aid to him, and her son that he's kind of taken under his wing. But the reality is, he's going through quite a serious mental breakdown. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's fantastically acted by by Jake Gyllenhaal, who just keeps consistently getting better and better and better. Yep, absolutely, man. Uh, I, I I do think that Jake Gyllenhaal is is. He's possibly the finest actor that nobody seems to talk about working at the moment. That's true. Um, yeah, he doesn't get a, lo- a, a lot of word about him. He's he's an interesting guy as well. I remember uh, I was listening to uh, Empire podcast a little while back where they were interviewing him uh, for Nocturnal Animals, and he was saying that um, what really gra- like attracts into a film is not just the director, but like um particularly the cinematographer mm. um and he want he wants to know that the crew around not just the director uh, are going to be there and they're the people people he can trust or finds their work interesting and it, it seems like he's he's a very very in guy when it, it comes to the making of a film and um i don't know when he like it kind of feels like he's going to start producing at some point i think that could be interesting it, it could be yeah it, 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 he's often talked about in a similar way to chris evans has often talked about is um looking at uh, possibly moving into directing um uh, as well but not with him not directing himself in movies, just directing yeah. a movie. Um, so that could be quite interesting. And I, I remember seeing you not too long ago, uh, I think last year, when he was promoting Southpaw, and it was on some it was on some fluff TV show or something like that. I can't remember what it was. And they asked him about the pronoun- pronouncement of his name, and he kind of looked at them and they said, "You know how to pronounce my name." And she said, "Oh, do people often pronounce it wrong?" And he said, yeah, they do, actually, yeah. And she said, oh, so how is it pronounced? She said, well, how do you think it's pronounced? And she said, oh, it's Jordan Hall. He said, oh, no, it's not. It's Jehulahan. That's pretty and, good. And she said it back to him. And she said it like that, and he went, no, no, he's saying it wrong. It's Jehulahan. And, and he just kept, every time she kept on saying it, she, he kept on just repeating it back to her. Um, and then eventually she said, you're just not getting it. 
And she said, what's your surname? And she said it, and it was something like um, Swinton or something Smithson or something like that. And he just kept saying it wrong. And he just went, can't get it. I just can't get it. I can't get it. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, can you spell it out for me? <laughs> and she was just, she looked so embarrassed. And you could see he wasn't doing it being a dick, but it was just, hang on a minute. You, what you're saying is your name's hard to spell. Not your name's hard to say. You, you, why are you asking about the fucking movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that's my number number seven is uh, Demolition. So, what is your, your number six, my good man? Okay, my number six is Martin Scorsese's Silence. This is Martin Scorsese's Silence. Okay, lovely. Okay, so we're going to um, stop the countdown then and uh, review... So, uh, Silence, Stars... Oh, hang on, you're steering the yes, ship, well, like, Yeah, I am. Yes. Uh, well, I'll, let me get to it then. Um, Martin's got to say, uh, Silence, yes, it stars uh, Andrew Garfield, uh, Adam Driver, um, Liam Neeson, um, and uh, Serene Hines. Uh, it, it also stars a, a lot of um, Japanese and Korean actors uh, who I won't try and butcher names of um the film is it, it's part of um, Scorsese's passion projects that he, he puts out and it is set in the um, 1600s when uh, Christianity uh, and mainly the Catholic faith uh, was trying to uh, branch out essentially and spread its, um, its, its influence and its teachings, its learnings etc. Um, across the globe and take on all these new lands that have been um, discovered. Um, so you have the, the journey of the Jesuit priests who have gone uh, from Portugal to Japan uh, to try and get Catholicism off the ground there. Uh, but the uh, the Buddhist teachings that already exist within um, Japan are quite... <laughs> quite against the idea of a new religion um, starting up in their country. Um, so you have the uh, Inquisitor, who essentially is finding out the the Christians that are now living in Japan and getting them to apostatize uh, and denounce their faith. Uh, one of the leading priests that has been sent over is um, Father Ferreira, played by um, Liam Neeson, who it seems has denounced his faith uh, and has apostatised himself. Uh, Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver's characters, um, Rodriguez and Grupe, um, they don't believe that he's he's denounced his faith and denounced God in public, so they insist that they should be allowed to go and find Father Ferreira to help clear his name, because they basically say it's hearsay and gossip that is... Behind the idea that he has, has denounced God, um, and so they are sent into into Japan to try and find Father Ferreira. Um, even silence. Uh, it's it, it, it's Scorsese's passion project again. It's the second time he's tackling uh, religion. Uh, as anyone who knows anything about Scorsese knows, that his two big passions in life are religion uh, and Catholicism mainly, and film. Here again, he's mashing the two together. What did you think? Yeah, so well, my number six. So I liked it um, uh, quite a bit. Um, I the, the thing is, I'm not religious in the slightest. Um, so 
you know, it, it, it's one that I suppose would maybe I'd have to work at more or it would have to work at me more in order for me to get something really out of it. But um, I did. And I think that's uh, thanks to character and runtime as well. Um, you spend so long with Andrew Garfield's character that, I, I mean, the, and the, the journey that he goes on, that you, you, by the end of it, I don't know about you, but I was willing him just like, don't give it up, don't give it up, don't mm. give it up, even though I'm not a, a, a Christian in the slightest, you know. It, it like, it's, because it's not just a question of faith, I suppose, it's a question of character, and, you know, you see what happens to Adam Driver's character, and the the, 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 the kind of the machinations uh, around that, and the fact you know he's told that Garfield's character had apostatized, yeah. and um, uh, it, and and so they're making it so much harder on on Garfield's character. And what I found interesting was that was also Liam Neeson's character. I don't think is black and white either there are times where he doesn't seem to believe what he's saying um about all the about everything he's learned since he's been there and since he's apostatized and the the idea of having faith and keeping it secret and that being okay i thought was a really interesting idea um and I, I mean, the, the image at the end is lovely, you know, I mean, even though it's of a dead mm. body, um, what he's holding in his hand, it just, it, it made me, I don't know, it kind of made me feel like everything's going to be all right, um, weirdly, um, at, at the end. Um, I, I mean, looks amazing, shot on film and looks lovely. Um, when it seeks to show the torture stuff, it doesn't hold back, um, you know, like the the burning, the, the screaming kind of burning body was uh, an image I'm not going to yeah. forget. Um, and yeah, I, I I think it's wonderful. I I do wonder what it w- would have been like had Adam Driver and Andrew Garfield swapped roles. But I'm I'm perfectly happy with what was there. Yeah, um, Anderson, I think it's um, yeah. the thing is. It, with silence, um, I know um, Noel mentioned it and said that he, he said that it's 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 a film that he just can't see himself watching, not because he's not interested in something like that. It's just because it, you are undertaking a little bit of a, you know, it, it's two hours forty minutes long, um, yeah. and let's be honest, it's a historical religious epic um, about the about religious persecution it, it's a hard sell it really is a hard sell um, and you know the one of the big you know the big sell for me is, is the fact that it's Martin Scorsese but I can see why to many to, to many people it, it, it's, it's a hard sell and it, it, it's a film that whereby Scorsese is used the fact that he has a lot of cashier anyway just being Martin Scorsese but even that isn't enough sometimes um but the fact that he made that, that Wolf of Wall Street made an incredible amount of money um, for, for an R-rated movie kind of gave him the license to where they said, "Look, yes, you can do this this passion project," um, and he's he's delivered another passion project. 
uh, in silence. You know, the past few fashion projects he's delivered, the Last Temptation of Christ and Gangs of New York, uh, were again not hugely successful. And Sands, you know, won't be hugely successful in the sense of um, it won't make a lot of money. Um, it, it also, I don't think it'll it'll clean up on on awards. Uh, because of the the subject matter and the fact is that I just think that well it's my number six in my list. So I, I do think that there are there are better films out there this year, but I think it's a it's an incredibly brave film to take on um, to make, and I think it's somebody with the the craft, respect, and the the sheer uh, single mindedness. It deals with which is always quite difficult to deal with against Christianity. You're not dealing with persecution against, um, you know, a what it seems to be the the, the more um, historically persecuted faith. I think is the best way to say it. You know, you're not dealing with something like um, Schindler's List, which is persecution against against Jewish. Which you know there are there are films out there. You're not dealing with persecution against Muslims like you, you could do if you did a um, Crusade movie or anything like that. Um, but it, it's and also as well you're taking on Buddhism Buddhism nowadays is seen very much as a very as a very Zen um, religion and a religion that is based around tolerance and you know taking other people's you know ideas on board and everything like that and what this film does is it says look Japan in the 16-1700s they, they took what is possibly the most tolerant religion but still used it as a force of fucking evil. Mm. Um, and there's some, there's a lot of, some of the great scenes in this film are the, the debates between the Inquisitor or the Inquisitor's um, translator and Andrew Garfield, where you can see they're both arguing essentially the same point at each other, and they're both kind of right. Um, and you have the Inquisitor saying, we don't want your religion here. And making a very good point. You know, we you wouldn't want us to come to you, to come to Portugal and bestow our religion upon you. Why are you coming here and forcing it upon us? And all that Andrew Garfield can do is say, because we're right. Which, yeah. again, is going back to the sheer pig-headedness of religion. Is that there's this man who, he's, he's so passionate and so ingrained in his belief that that he's willing quite literally to die and for other people to die for what he believes in. And it's that unflinching um, faith that I think Scorsese wishes he had, but doesn't doesn't quite have, because if he did, he'd be a priest now, not one of the greatest living filmmakers. Mm. Um, and I think that, that what he's doing here is he's essentially telling you about faith and about the the pull of faith and about the obsession of faith, the danger of faith, but the the wonder of faith and all of these things through cinema. And he 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 doesn't give a shit if at points it looks a little bit hokey. Because he's saying, Do you know what? Religion's a bit hokey at points. These guys do genuinely believe they see signs in everything. And that is what that is what sets their faith. 
But these, now, if you get a priest comes out and says, I, I saw the face of God in a pool of water, everyone goes, no. Then, in the 1600s, they were, they were revered. They were, you know, they were special. They were usually very well educated and they were powerful. Uh, and that's what you get in, in silence is you get the sheer will of, of of religion mixed with all the all the dangers of it, and it, it is it's quite it's quite striking to be honest. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, fucking you kind of making a lot of really good points that kind of render what what I'm going to say kind of. Uh, obsolete to be honest i think we're just on the same page really here man um i mean um i think andrew garfield is is very good i'm looking forward to seeing what he does in hacksaw ridge because it kind of feels like it's quite a similar character really um like bizarrely so um but yeah i um he he i think he believably goes through Mm. shit it doesn't feel like pretty boy actor has some mud on his face um it it does feel like he's genuinely changed through the film, yeah. through through experience, if if not through faith. I mean, how how do you read the ending? By the way, that that he had kind of kept, he'd his, kept his faith. Got. I think, I think yeah. he'd always kept his faith. I think it was the fact is it was it was better for him to keep his faith. I think he realised. I don't need to prove my faith to everybody. What I yeah, can do yeah. is I can save lives and keep my faith by doing what I'm doing. And I think the, the ending is as much about what you don't see for 20 years about, as, as what you do see. Because sure. what you don't see could be him, you know, we get that he's, he's, he's under, under constant watch and that's his that's his suffering. That's his. That's his penance um, for that. It, that's him proving his faith that he is literally giving up his identity and his life to save these people. It's the. It, 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 it's touching on the, the the Jesus complex. You know, he isn't going to die for it because if he dies for it, it it's martyrdom, and it's it, it's better for him to live a life of faith in secret than die a martyr and be forgotten about forever. Bad point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, good. Yeah, Um, I I, I, I do think that Garfield is... The thing about Andrew Garfield, it, it is... I think, in a way, his career was kind of put on hold for a few years by... By Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Because yeah, you true. look at him, he was in The Other Bowling Girl, um, then Pinatus, I'm Here, uh, that's what I'm here, Never Let Go, Never Let Me Go, then Social Network, and then he did two Spider-Man movies. He didn't do anything in between. He just did the two Spider-Man movies. And then he's come back out with, he's very good in 99 Homes, uh, which I thought was a, a, a solid movie. And then he's come out with Hacksaw Ridge and, and Silence. You know, which are both very, you know, they're big films to take on, and I think he's, I think he's teaming up with, is he in the upcoming um, Andy Serkis film next year? 
What's he done? What? Circus, um, his, his directorial debut, I think it is. And I think uh, Garfield's the lead in that. Oh. Oh, I thought he was doing an adaptation of um, like another Jungle Book or something. He's doing something else, is he? Yeah, he's doing, uh, Andy Serkis, yeah, he's, he's directing a film. Um, a polio survivor uh, was diagnosed with disease at age 28. Yeah, and Andrew Garfield's um, doing that uh, with Hugh Bonneville. Yeah. Um, so he's, he was picking interesting films, then became Spider-Man. And now he's back to picking interesting films again. Now he's got that Spider-Man thing monkey off his back a little bit. Um, yeah. So it, it, it kind of, and it is, it, it's strange the fact that you had both Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield who were in the Spider-Man movies, which, you know, I didn't mind them, but are perceived as being a little bit jumbled messes and a bit of, of kind of failures. And then they're both in films that are, you know, the hotly tipped for, for you know award non films and they're leading in those it's it's kind yeah. of it, it, it's strange the fact that that seems to be kind of pulling them down a little bit and then they're, they're back and you've got Andrew Garfield in this and Hacksaw Ridge and Emma Stone in, in, in La La Land which uh, you know might come up later on yes okay yes indeed <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, well, Silence, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely not shit. It's very, very good. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and also, well, uh, Adam Driver is fantastic, if not mildly underused. Mm-hmm. But I think that's uh, a character. I don't think he's in it that much in the actual book itself. No, because I, I like him at the, um, I like him at the start, uh, where he's, uh, just how frustrated yeah. he's getting living in that hut. Yeah. I found that I don't, I don't know. I just found that quite funny, um, which is weird for a, a film that "funny" is not the first word you would uh, you would exactly go to. No, no, there's very little humour in silence. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I see exactly what you mean. But it is it's a very grim tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, very good though. Very very good. Yes. Um, so that was both about number six. So it's now on to your number five. My number five is pop star. Never stop, never stop. Oh, um, you? Yeah. Um, yes, pop star. Never stop, never stopping. For me, is better than Martin Scorsese's Silence. Um, it's a film for our times. Uh, I think it's one of the funniest comedies in years. Um, the sheer hit rate of the jokes, I think, are incredible. The soundtrack is actually good outside of the film. Um, I mean, Mona Lisa, you're an overrated piece of <laughs> shit, is is just wonderful. And um, she wanted to fuck me like we fucked Bin Laden. I, uh, I just, it's... Um, uh, uh, incredible! I want to watch it again now. Just <laughs> just talking about it, I want to watch Popstar again now. Um, great runtime as well. Um, I, I I don't know. It just it's it it it's firing on all cylinders throughout, and it feels like a film which, in five years' yeah. time, everyone's going to be saying they saw it in the cinema when no one yeah, like did. Or Anchorman. 
It's going to be like Anchorman in that respect, yeah. I pray they don't do a sequel, um, just because this is a... This is just a film of its sign. The idea of his album being on domestic appliances <laughs> and then that basically overloading the electricity grids worldwide when when the album's launched is just such a... It's both insane, but you could easily see Justin Bieber doing something like that if he had the wrong kind of advice. Yeah, it, 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 it um, literally it is. It's how can we make YouTube's album just appear on your fucking iPhone? How can we make that more ridiculous? Oh, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, no, that that that, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, I I I I think it's a a a joyous fucking film and great, you know, a, a great effort by all the cast, but it's really good to see Tim Meadows given a nice supporting role as well, because it feels like he's a guy who doesn't get seen half as much as he should, um, but I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that guy, he's, I mean, he's also the, uh, you shouldn't try any of this shit, man, guy from Walk yeah. Hard, and, uh, you know, I, I, just brilliant, um, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Andy Samberg, and... Hot Rods, I, 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 I'm a, a fan of also, but this feels like a film for now. Whether that's a good or bad thing, I don't know. Um, but also the fact that Connor is a twat, but he's really endearing at the yeah, same he's, time. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's an idiot, but he's not, he's not an arsehole as such. There's no malice in his, in his what is it? He's just not that bright. Yeah, he's a product of his time. No, no. Yeah, no, ex- a- 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 exactly. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Pops up. It's uh, one of the best comedies in years, and yeah, like I say, I want to watch it again now. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm very glad that that's that high up in your list. Nice. Uh, right, my number five um, is uh, Denis Villeneuve's uh, Arrival. Um, nice. Okay. A film that that just kind of, I was very much looking forward to it. Um, I've been a, a huge fan of um, of Villeneuve's uh, other films. Um, you know, I thought Prisoners was fantastic, uh, as was um, Sicario. So very much looking forward to Arrival, uh, and then was absolutely flawed by it. I thought it was it was it was quite something to be honest. It's um, I think it, it's one of those strange films that I think a lot like. Um, Sicario, and I do think to an extent um, Prisoners is, I, I think it's kind of a little bit, I, I don't think people are making as enough of a big deal over a film like Arrival um, I think if you'd have put Arrival out this time of year you, people would be talking about it as a you know, a potential, not best picture winner, but definitely as a potential best picture not but it, it, it is like, it's kind of cursed by its release date, which I think is pretty much the same as what happened with Sicario. Um, that was released around this time last year. Well, not this time. Around the same time last year, uh, 2015. Yeah. Uh, in sort of like that um, late September, early October kind of um, space. Or, no, sorry, uh, late October kind of space. So I think that's what's kind of happened there. It, it's fantastic, actually. It's great that... Um, you know, in the space of a couple of weeks, we had um, two films, uh, two big releases um, that were headed up by Amy Adams, 
Um, and in a year where you know you could say that um, the whole women in film movement and the the whole um, you know the the the, the uh, Oscars so white thing and everything like that, you've had a lot of that that movement in Hollywood. The fact is, it's it's kind of it shows that hang on a minute we can pitch films with a female star you know, we've got people like Amy Adams who is you know bankable enough um, to to just to, to, to sell a picture almost on her own and not only that she's actually a really good actress as well <laughs> so it all kind of works out uh, really quite well but also it's it's visually fantastic the story's really interesting and it, it has that kind of that emotional punch where it, it, it fucking floored me uh, in the cinema it left me uh, quite shaken and in bits to be honest uh, by the end of it um, and that hasn't happened in, in quite a while in the cinema um, so you know that was that's an experience and you know we, we, we go to cinema we you know we enjoy cinema and we obsess about cinema for those those kind of quite real emotions that we get and for it to stir those things up uh, and, and Arrival certainly did that and I'm very, very much looking forward to his um, take of the Blade Runner universe. Agreed. Yep, so that, that's Arrival, that's my number five. Um, so should we do fours and then we'll do surprises after we've done our number fours? Yep, sounds good to me. Um, okay, my number four is uh, Kenneth Logan, uh, Lonigan's Manchester by the Sea. Oh, cool. Yep, so... Um, this is the uh, hotly tipped Oscar Bovera that uh, premiered at Sundance like a year ago um, and is uh, has just come out in UK cinemas this weekend. Uh, so uh, we're not going to do a full review of it on the show because I, I just don't think Mark's going to get around to it. No, um, I'm, 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 I might try, but it all depends on whether or not I can grab pieces of my life and put them together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, we, we've got higher priorities for next week's show, haven't well, we? So, we do, uh, we do. Um, <laughs> we're, going, we're, we're going, we're going, fucking highbrow as a motherfucker for next week's show. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, so, um, oh dear. Um, yeah, Manchester by the Sea. So, uh, Casey Affleck plays a um, a janitor who gets a call to say that his uh, brother has passed away um, in their kind of like hometown where he grew up. Um, he comes back there and he discovers that his brother has in his will basically said I want you to be the guardian to my child uh, the, the mother was a uh, alcoholic who has essentially disappeared um, and he doesn't want to live there because of events of the past um, so this is a film that walks a tightrope between being emotionally really quite devastating but also pretty fucking funny um and um i'd heard going in that it was surprisingly funny in moments i laughed multiple times and i laughed more than people in the in the audience did and I wonder if those people didn't know whether they were supposed to laugh or not. Is that you think why? Did the fact that you laughed and there was little moments of 
of levity within it, d- did that help the actual the film? Because everything I've seen in the film, until I saw a trailer before um, Silence, every other trailer I've seen of it made it seem like I was, I was watching it going, that's going to be very good, but it looks like it's going to be quite hard to watch. Until yeah. I saw a yeah, trailer yeah. before Silence, which had a few moments where I thought, right, okay, it's not just misery Paul. No, and I mean, uh, uh, th- I mean, there's a fucking fantastic exchange a few minutes into it where he, he's this janitor in this apartment building, and there's a, a, a woman in uh, who he's trying to fix her shower, and it's like she's trying to corner him into basically kicking off, and. Like some of the the buttons she's trying to push, and then his like release of sweariness is is an absolute joy. Um, and I mean, like even in the editing, there's there's like I don't know, like there's interesting. Someone says something, jumps very quickly to another scene, and you're just left with an odd laugh, um, uh, which is really well done. But also, um, Lucas Hedges, who plays the 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 16-year-old who Casey Affleck is basically assigned to look after, he's very, very personable, and he goes through the film, and the thing is, his father dies, and it's kind of a surprise, but not, because he had, like, a pre-existing condition. It's it's not a spoiler or anything. Um, So, he does have moments, but he kind of takes stuff in his stride, and there are scenes of him in a band where they're constantly winding up the drummer about him going too fast or too slow, and it, and it's great. And the kid who plays the drummer, he's only in, like, two scenes, but he looks so put upon. He just... He absolutely epitomises the mate in the group who always has the piss taken out of him. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, I mean, and it's it's great. But Lucas Hedges is very, very good in this. He's kind of getting under... Um, uh, under talked about, I think. Casey Affleck, very, very, very good. Um, he's just like uh, a Monster Calls. Uh, it was uh, when I was talking about Monster Calls, I said there was another film or two in 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 my um, list that kind of are about male reactions to grief um, and 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 how you process yeah. it. And Casey Affleck is a two-hour walking reaction to grief. Yeah, and shit in his basement that he can't sort out and the ending of the film is really interesting no spoilers but the film is very much a slice of life very little is wrapped up by the end of it but that fe- it feels all the better for that yeah and um there are people who do morally questionable things in the film and they are there's no histrionics. They're never like they're never really kind of like questioned on it. It just it is what it is. It's life, um, and that that sounds like it might be pretentious, but I it, it, I don't I, it, it's not meant to be in the slightest. I, I uh, from from me anyway. Like it just it, it, it is life. You're just watching two hour uh, uh, two hours of a few weeks or couple months of these people's lives. Um, this isn't a fault of the film. Uh, I mean, it's my number three of the year. But I would say that the talk that Michelle Williams has been getting of a Best Supporting Actress Oscar, I think, is 
probably harsh on anyone else being talked about for it just because she has very, very little screen time. She's very good when she is on, but she has very little screen time. There's like one scene that I heard was like her Oscar scene. And yeah, sure. That is just one scene. Yeah, it is a little bit like that. Yeah, I mean, it's glad that she's back. Oh no, yeah, no. I mean, I think that's an element of that there. I mean, she is really, she is very, very good in it, and she is fucking heartbreaking in that particular scene. It's, um, I, I, you know, I'm not going to get into spoilers, but there's there's unresolved stuff between her and Casey Affleck, and it's you spend so much time with him and his grief that when she confronts him with stuff it's like well shit yeah she's another human being who's had all this shit and we've spent so so much time with Casey Affleck we haven't even really thought about her and fuck you know and it's um yeah uh I it's a it's a fucking great film it's a really 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 good piece of work which I think deserves all the attention um I don't know I can't off the, off the top of my head, I can't really think of who's up against Casey Affleck for Best Actor. But what I do like is, like I say, there are no histrionics. There is no big... He doesn't have an Oscar scene. Well, that's what I've always uh, liked about Casey Affleck. Uh, in a similar way as um, as a lot of the time you get with with Ryan Gosling uh, in the time that he's been nominated, uh, which I think is I think he could be the one that could be up with Casey Affleck. I don't think he'll win it. I think Casey yeah, Affleck sure. will win it. Uh, but uh, yeah. I remember, um, oh god, a number of years ago, when out of nowhere uh, Ryan Gosling got nominated for Half Nelson, and that's a movie where if you actually watch it, there's no there's no Oscar clip in it. it it's just a very sure. It's just, it's just a very, very good acting performance. And Casey Affleck's often quite like that. He, he, he doesn't go for the big, overblown, you know, like you say, the, this is my Oscar clip performance. He, he just, he keeps it quite on the level of natural. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, um, yeah, so it's, uh, uh, Matthew Broderick's in it really briefly. Um, isn't, he, and isn't he in a few of them? Isn't he... I think he's mates with. Um, he might be mates with Lonergan because yeah. they. I think they. They. They're both New Yorkers, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're just like running the same crowd. Yeah. But, um, yeah. No. He's. He's. He's good when he's on. Gretchen Mole as well, which was. Um, I think Gretchen Mole's a really good like, actress. Yeah, and she's actually really good in this because um, the character she plays the um, the like the alcoholic mum, and her character who, like, runs off. Um, she goes... She's only in a couple scenes, but there's a distinct difference between the two, but she still feels like the same person. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's 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 really well done. It's, um, yeah, Manchester by the Sea, man. It's, it's a really, really good piece of work, and it's not a slog in the slightest, and um, uh, all, all power to it. I, I hope it does... I, I, I hope it does well, man. Like, if you were to say who gave the better performance in, like, Casey Affleck or Ryan Gosling, I think performance, what they're required to do, I think probably Casey Affleck, even though Gosling is stupendous in La La Land. Um, 
Yeah, we'll 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 talk we'll talk about La La Land. Um, I think we might do. Uh, that. But yeah, yeah. But it's I don't know. It's a year where I expect La La Land to dominate awards season, yeah. uh, and I, let's just say I'd like it too. But I'd be really pleased if Manchester by the Sea got some shit in there as well. Um, I haven't seen Moonlight. That's the um, the other one this yeah. year, um, and uh, people are raving about that. It comes out over here in a, in a couple of weeks' time, yeah. um, so maybe I'll be like that for Moonlight as well. But it's nice to be in Oscar season. It was like it last year as well, and just be like, yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. cool. I'm actually all right. I'm all right with any yeah. of them. Yeah, like you say, it is. I think that is the thing uh, with it again this year. It does seem to be a lot of the films that are getting uh, spoken about are you look at it going, well, that's that's deserved to be honest. And and also I must say, good on Amazon Studios as well. Um, I mean, between this and the Neon Demon, um, they've 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 done all right for me this year. You know, um, maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and they've done probably better than Netflix this year, I'd say. Um, I mean, what have Netflix done? Adam Sandler um, and um, Kevin Smith. Kevin, Kevin Smith. Kevin. Yeah. Like Kevin James yeah. films. Yeah. But so then again, we'll, we'll this, see. this year, 2017, is, is the year where Netflix kind of go, "Hey, look at this shit." Yeah, man. They got. I mean, mute for fuck's sake. Um, that's so crazy that Duncan Jones' next film is a Netflix original. The new David Ayer film I mean, is a Netflix original. Oh, Bright, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, that, yeah, Will Smith, isn't it? Yeah. Five million budget film. Yeah, 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 that's fascinating. The times they are changing, man. Um, so, yeah, uh, um, my number uh, four uh, was Manchester by the Sea. I think I might have said number three by mistake, but my number four is Manchester by the Sea. And uh, the thing is, it, it could have been number one in another year. It could have been. Uh, it's just my top three are three of my favourite films in quite some time. So oh, uh, yeah, nice. there you go. Uh, right. Well, I'm gonna go for my number four then, uh, and then we'll, we'll we'll do some surprises. Uh, my number four cool. is um, Tom Ford's Nocturnal Animals, uh, which is the the best horror of the of the year. Um, Fucking right. As we said, we did a uh, with the review of it. Tom Ford is very much a man who doesn't do something unless he can do it very, 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 very well. Uh, if you yep. look at his um, his career in, in all facets of what he's done, in all the different um, artistic endeavours he's had, he's been phenomenally successful, um, which leads you to, you have to then assume that it's because he's a very, very creative, but also a very, very smart man. Uh, and that comes across in, in Nocturnal Animals. It's there's there's such a bravado in Nocturnal Animals, um, in the sense that this is the second movie this guy has made, and it's the guy who you know film types could quite easily dismissively say, oh, he's just a guy who designed pretty glasses." You know, he should be dressing stars rather than directing them. Things that were thrown at him, yet. He's delivered um, a single man and this. And this is... The single man, you know... You could see the hand of a, um, 
as a, as a fashion person of that movie. Um, whereas with this, this is a film, you know, there's, there's elements of, of kind of, um, of shallow in there, there's elements of lynch in there, um, but then there's also very much a, a stamp of this is his own movie. Um, he's not just aping people that are clearly influences. There's a lot of decisions that go on with it that are very much, wow, didn't expect that to fucking happen. Uh, and there's some incredibly visceral imagery within it. Um, and it, it's, it's an uncomfortable film to watch. It's quite a claustrophobic film to watch. And also, there's, there's so much going on with it, um, within it, that it's, I'm very, very much looking forward to um, to, to watching it again. Uh, but also, as well, I'm looking at it going, I'm looking forward to watching it again. I want to watch it again. But it's such an uncomfortable place to be, watching this movie. Yeah. Um, that there's also... Well, that it's such a different role to, to rival Jim. Jim Hall is uh, again, like I said, it, it, he's so good at, at, at playing emotions and at playing different type of emotions. You know, you've got in the past few years from him, we've had a, a man having a breakdown. You have this where it, he's playing somebody a little bit that Michael Shannon almost takes pity on in the sense of, he looks at him and says, you should have done more, but you're just not that guy. It's not your fault you could do, do more. I can do more because I am that guy. And it, yeah. there's, 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 there's that within him. But then a couple of years ago, you had him playing the detective in Prisoners, uh, and then you had him playing a, a boxer in, in South Park. And all of these, he's, I also said it before about J.J. Hall, he's a character actor that happens to, like Tom Hardy and people like that, and Chris Pine, I think he's also one, that happens to have the look of a, a leading man, but he's just more interested in being a character actor. Um, it, it really is a, a, a quite striking, quite brilliant film. Um, that again, like I said, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, to re-watching. And I, I have a feeling it's one that will will improve upon rewatches because there's so much there that you can pick out of it. And also, if, if we need any more proof that Tom Ford is a very, very gifted director, um, is that he manages to get a fantastic performance out of Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, one which is getting a lot more awards notice than I thought he was going to. Yep. Um, and, and it, 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 like, actually, stunningly so. It, yeah, yeah, it no. It's really fantastic. He delivers an entire scene on the toilet, right? But the toilet is outdoors. It's outside. I love it. I love it. Which is just, it, which is fantastic and it adds to the ridiculousness of that, of, of the world and it works within the world of that movie. It, it's, it, it, it just enhances the chaos and the, the, the oddity of that movie and it is an oddity um, but it, it, it's quite brilliant as well uh, yeah I'm going to be talking about it yeah uh, I, 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 for some reason I thought you'd mentioned it um, earlier I, I thought oh god I thought that would be high up his list so right oh brilliant uh, surprises uh, Ian uh, um, 
Right, do you want to go with your number five surprise? Uh, yeah, John Favreau's The Jungle Book because. Oh, nice. Yeah, the, I mean, The Jungle Book is my favourite Disney animation, and um, John Favreau, it ha- I think, has quite the spotty track record, to be honest. Yeah, um, I agree on that. Yeah, so the thing is, this probably wouldn't have been on my on my list if I hadn't watched it a second time. Um, but I watched it that second time, and. I I think for the for the very much the most part that fucker works really well. Um, I like how it it changes itself up from the original. I mean, yes, the original with its Mowgli basically goes chasing after young love. Let's just say it is, and, and the fact that the, the 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 girl is basically like just kind of pulling his cock along on a string is um, quite the weird ending for the original Jungle Book. But I like that they don't try and be a musical, but they still have the uh, the kind of the hints to the uh, um, the Morning Patrol and whatnot. It would have been nice if we had some Liverpudian vultures at some point, but, you know, you can't have everything. Um, I, yeah, I, I just... It's an insanely impressive technical achievement. Um... It does slight tangent time. Disney's uh, doing this call. Have you heard about Tim Burton's Dumbo and who are circling that project? No. Will Smith and Tom Hanks. I didn't hear the Will Smith one actually. Yeah. Tom Hanks apparently to play the villain. Do you know what? I'd be I'd be for that. Yeah, the, the I really... The, the, the only red light that keeps going off in my head when I hear Tim Burton doing Dumbo is, can you imagine how garish and disgusting the elephants on parade is going to look? Oh, my God. Yeah. However, however, I will explain why I might be quite wrong shortly. Oh, okay, right. So, I'm assuming surprise is not top top films of the year. So I forget <laughs> what you're talking about, but uh, yeah, no, fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, it's. Um, I think it's a, it's a really, really, really solid piece of work. It's a lot of fun. Um, I even didn't mind the Bill Murray singing as much second time round. So yeah, the Jungle Book. Ah, cool, good. Uh, my uh, number uh, five uh, surprise is um, a movie that I was. The thing is, I was looking forward to this because it contains my favourite actor of all time and an actor that I have a lot of love for, um, for some reason. Um, and it's Dirty Grandpa uh, is my number five surprise. Right, no, okay. Now, in fairness, why is that a surprise? You knew you were going to love this fucking I... thing. And I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Don't get me wrong. I was stunned. Kinda, that should be in my list. It's not... It kind of should be, but how did that surprise you? me, because I, I knew I was going to love it, but I did think it was going to be a steaming pile of shit. <laughs> but I, knew, I thought, you know what, it can be a steaming pile of shit, but if it is just, but it just to have those two, the weirdness of having De Niro and Zac Efron on screen, it is enough to get me interested, it will be enough to get me through. 
But then I genuinely, I don't think it's that bad. I think it is actually quite amusing at points. The fact that it, it, it simply is just De Niro making cop jokes to Zac Efron for an hour and a half is is great. I Yeah, I actually quite enjoyed that myself, in yeah, fairness. The, the constantly telling him um, that his vagina is showing and things like that, just, he's brilliant. It's, uh, Zac Efron... Is I think what he's missed about Zac Efron is, is how much the guy is open to poking fun at himself. Oh, yeah. Um, and it, it's... What's strange is, is with Zac Efron, is he, he made a name for himself um, doing Disney um, when he was young and became quite a, high, a, a junior from doing Disney when he was young and then... He, he kind of had to come back from that. Um, but you look at somebody else who did Disney when they were young and kind of had to, and, and, had, a, and had a pack into adult movies, was somebody like uh, Kurt Russell, for instance. But the thing is, I think if Zac Efron were, let's say, another four or five inches taller, he'd just be getting cast in, um, in action films. Because the thing that he did was he did the High School Musical, then he left High School Musical, went off, got a little bit of a drug habit, but wasn't seen falling out of clubs drug habit, just a, a, a personal drug it, habit. It, even though you should you should watch the Zac Efron post E3 EA Battlefield 1 thing really, at some really point. You'll very much enjoy yeah. it. Him, Jamie Foxx and Snoop Dogg high off their asses, being interviewed and playing Battlefield yeah. 1. It's amazing. I, I, I will be watching that very shortly then. Uh, but yeah, but then he, he, he came back and the thing is, he's, he, he looked buff as fuck. So it was like, right, well, we can cast him and stuff because he's a name and he can take his shirt off. And then it was kind of, it, 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 by accident, people went, Actually, he's got really good comedic timing. And, you know, now, this year later on, he's going to be heading up one of the films, the big films of the summer. It, yeah. it, 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 I think it, it's a fantastic kind of, you know, resurrection for him, almost. Um, and Dirty Grandpa isn't that bad. That's why it's my number five uh, surprise. So, what's your number four surprise? Good for you. Good for you, you fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, um, no, no, I mean, I, 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 like I say, I didn't mind Dirty Grandpa. We were setting up to have a right ding-dong about that, and it was like, no, I actually quite enjoyed it. <laughs> so, hey. Um, my number four is Kung Fu Panda 3, which I think is the... Um, it's not in my top 20, but I think it's the um, underappreciated animated film of the year. Um I think Kung Fu Panda 3 is great um, because it's as fun as the first one was. Um, it's as visually rich as the second one was. Um, but it also manages to re like actually end things. Like, Poe doesn't die. Of course he doesn't. But they pull story elements from the first and the second to create a 
trilogy closer where it does... I think they kind of felt, after, like, Kung Fu Panda 2 didn't do as well as Kung Fu Panda 1, so I kind of think they felt like, right, we've got one more cinematic throw at the dice at this. We may as well just end it. Yeah. And, I mean, it doesn't... I mean, it feels... There could be another one. Of course they're fucking good. We're, doing, we're getting a Toy Story 4, for fuck's sake, so of course there could be a Kung Fu Panda 4. Um, but... Oh God, Toy Story 4. I just... Yeah, I just remembered that's going to exist. Oh, I don't know, man. That ending of Toy Story 3, fuck, man. Like, Christ, that thing destroyed me. Anyway, um, where was I? Country Panda 3, yeah. It, but it, it does feel like, right, okay, that that's it then. You've also got J.K. Simmons playing the bad guy in this. And he basically plays a bad guy who was Master, uh, Master Uguay from the first film, The Turtle, like his essentially best mate who got written out of history and all through the film there's a running joke about how no one knows who he is and he gets really frustrated about it and which i think is gold and then the one person who does recognize him is poe um and it's like just the the reaction that he has when he discovers that his nemesis is the only person who actually knows who he is 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 wonderful um yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Country Panda 3. I've sat and watched it with Lottie from start to end a couple of times. Ah, good. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it was the first film I took her to see in the cinema as well. She didn't make it all the way through, but it was the first film I took her to see in the cinema. First film she did make it all the way through, Trolls. <laughs> Second film she made it all the way through, Storks. Third one, Ballerina. I've got to say... Actually, no, I did talk about Ballerina on the show. On the yeah. show. Dane DeHaan, man, the most alive I've ever heard that guy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, there you go, Kung Fu Panda 3. It's fuck, It's really good, damn it. I, I, I've never seen any of the Kung Fu Panda movies. Four. Yeah. Well, you need to do it. I, I, I might actually have to. I think, weirdly, uh, I think I've got the first two uh, on Sky Movies because there was a... Uh, you got them free if you registered for something. And I did, and got them free. I thought, why have I done that? I'm never going to watch them. But now I might actually watch them. You could just watch one and three. Two is good, but... It's only like 90 odd minutes One long, and three it? would be it's fine. Like 90 odd minutes long. I think I might just do them all in one afternoon, one time. There, oh, there you go. Do yeah. it. Uh, right, my uh, number four, um, surprise, is the Angry Birds movie. <laughs> it's not bad, is it? Yeah, because the thing is, the Angry Birds movie, I, I, I was one of those going, fucking seriously, how the fuck do you make a movie out of, a, out of the Angry Birds game? And was just thinking, that is ridiculous, it'll be a movie I'll never watch, it's frankly stupid. So, I watched the trailer and thought, oh, do you know what, I've actually laughed a couple of times during that. And then watched the movie, and I watched it on a Tuesday day off uh, with brunch, and it finished, it's 90 odd minutes long, and I thought, yep, yeah, do you know what, I enjoyed that, it gave me enough, easily enough, and it's not it's not a film made for me, it's a film made for, for kids, essentially, um, but yeah, I, I actually really quite enjoyed that, to be honest, so... 
I never thought I'd say it. There's not that much to say about it. It, it literally is the Angry Birds movie, but there's also actually quite a decent story written within it. It's, you know, and how they did that, I, I don't know. But yeah, the Angry Birds movie it was my fourth biggest surprise of the year. Yeah, they, they, uh, they, they, they got away with it, didn't yeah. they? That's the thing. They actually got away with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my number three is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Out of the Shadows um, which I think is a Saturday morning cartoon in film form and is wonderful um, it's a lot of fun Tyler Perry is Baxter Stock something and he's great I love how deliciously Oh, I just want to have fun and be evil. He is about the whole thing. I, 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 um, I want to see his movie just for Tyler Perry. Have you I've seen, not it? seen it? Yeah, no. Oh, mate, you, you, seriously, you'll have you'll have a ball with this. Um, it's 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 just it's appreciably better than the first one oh, was. The first uh, because, one. Yeah, no, that's the first one's fine, uh, but this one they really embrace the cartoonness of it. The I mean, like the the, the the bad guy crying, he's a brain in, in like in the body in the stomach of a robot strongman thing or something. And uh, which is from the cartoon but and the comic, I think. But it's mental. Uh but it's fun. Uh I I, I just I, I the thing is I watched this on my iPhone when we were in Mallorca with the, the in laws and whatnot for a week and um I just had a ball with it, kicked back with a few beers and watched it and laughed my ass off. And, and like, I think I was supposed to. It's just really fun. <laughs> Rocksteady and Bebop are really good and the CG is solid. They look like they're there, as do the Turtles. It did not make money and there won't be a third one. They've, they've confirmed that now. They're done with this iteration. And it's a shame because I'd watch more of this. Yeah, yeah it's a shame, actually, but... Yeah, he didn't make money, did it? No, he didn't. <laughs> he really didn't. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it 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 lost quite a bit for Paramount, but yeah, I, I Paramount had a bad year. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and you should check I it will out. Do. Uh, my number uh, three um, surprise uh, is Keanu. Solid. Uh, you know, if if you'd have told me that the two guys who you know. Um, Jordan Pell and um, Keegan Michael Key, uh, two guys who I, I kind of recognise from bits, but their their what they're sort of known for hasn't really made it over here, um, or generally made it over here. Um, it, they were making essentially a homage to John Wick, starring a a, a cat, um, and then two versus a bunch of drug dealers. I've been like, yeah, I'm not I'm, I'm not gonna watch that. Uh, but again, I did watch it, and it, it's an enormous amount of fun. Uh, I was again surprised at, at that it wasn't just a, a good idea; it's actually a well-executed movie, and it, it's fun, and it, it shows both not to be very good comedians. And um, yeah, I was just pleasantly surprised by it, to be honest. Yeah. Again, again. Not, yeah. No, not, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, really enjoyed it. It was fun. We we. Um, we reviewed it on the podcast, uh, didn't we? And yeah, we, we both had a lot of fun with it, I think. 
Yeah, totally. Cool. Uh, very, very nice um, now tribute to George Michael as yeah. well in it. Um, yeah, it was quite prescient, that actually. Um, your number two surprise, then, Ian? Uh, my number two surprise is the Arabian Nights trilogy. Um, oh, yeah. The, uh, the, the, the Portuguese films, which I uh, talked about, which um, I think was my one foray into, like, kind of making effort cinema, which I did this year. Um, you know, three, two, two and a half hour films, which I watched over four days. Um, and for the most part, really, really, really entertaining. Um uh, it basically uh, Arabian Nights, but with um, stories being told about the world as it is now, including a cock rule that won't shut up but has a story to tell. Um, the leaders of the IMF uh, or an organisation like them meeting up, but um, all getting massive boners and not knowing how to, knowing how to deal with it. And uh, other such tales, some interesting, some not as as much. Um, the trilogy caps off with the least interesting instalment of the lot. Um, however, I had a ball with these, and you know it's like a good seven hours or so of cinema, and I was in throughout. Um, has things to say, but doesn't rub your nose in it, and is uh, just very entertaining. It's a uh, it's a good time. It was on movie. It's not on movie anymore because the way they work. Um, but yeah, I I, I had a, a a good deal of fun with this, and it, it's as much nourishment cinematically as I as I think I'd probably give myself in quite some time, uh, to be honest. So yeah, number two, Radio Night trilogy. Cool. Um, so that comes to my number uh, two, uh, the Netflix uh, movie Spectral. Which I watched last night. Ah, very good. Yes, you did, yes. Um, yeah, I, I'd i heard very little about, actually, Spectral until you mentioned it on the on the show, uh, that it was coming up on Netflix. And I, I when, you, when you mentioned that, I kind of looked at it and thought, oh, yeah, I remember seeing a trailer for that, and it looked it looked all right. Um, and I thought, well, I like um, James Bysdale. I think he's a very underrated actor. Uh, Emily Mortimer's always entertaining stuff as is Bruce Greenwood um, so I watched it when it came out on, on Netflix um, I thought right I'm in, I'm in the mood for this type of movie um, and thought it was fantastic I, I just thought it was a really a really engaging uh, I thought it looked great the story was, was interesting I thought James Bysdale delivered a fantastic performance the action was great it felt um, the whole world of it all felt lived in uh, and I just I was just really really impressed by it I thought it was a I I think I've said when I've spoke about it um, on the, the, the podcast when I, when I talked about it um, my biggest complaint about it was that I didn't get to see it in the cinema and I, I still mm. remain that still remains my biggest complaint about it it's great that I got to see it you know at home uh, in my living room via my Netflix subscription, and that's fantastic. But it, it now does raise the worries of ah, I've got a David Ayer movie and I've got a Duncan Jones movie that I'm not going to get in the cinema. Oh, uh, and a new Boon um, Jong Ho movie that I'm not going to get in the cinema. But I am going to yeah. be able to see them all on day of release in my own home. 
that I've been asking them to do for years, and now I've got it, and I don't know that I want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, no, I, I want to see, I, I want to see certain movies. I want to see Manchester by the Sea um, at home when it's released. I, I don't, I don't want to see Silence of La La Land at home when it's released. Unless I do want to see that. And it is just a little bit like, well, I want to have my cake and eat it too when I want to eat it sometimes at a restaurant and I sometimes want to eat it at home. Yeah. But I want to make that decision. But I want it to always be the best cake. It is like that. It, it, it's, you can't have fucking everything, Mark. No, you <laughs> fucking can't, Mark. And spectral fucking proof that for me. So yeah, that, that's my number uh, number two. And what I will say there is... is Nobody has a single fucking excuse to not watch this film legitimately. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I I, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm kind of surprised you enjoyed it as much as you did because it is very. Um, I don't know. It's kind. Of, it's just kind of like a video game, it really. Is so um, a video game, yeah. You know, um, I mean, I, 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 on my letterbox rating was three out of five, so I would say definitely not shit. Um, it's interesting to see. I mean, James Barchdale can kind of. Um, he's interesting because, like Iron Man three, he's very imposing and very threatening. Um, and uh, with with the grey, uh, he's he's the asshole guy in the grey, yes, isn't he? he is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so you've got that, but then in Spectral, it's like. He's quite weedy, and maybe it's because it's in relative to the other guys on screen. Um, but it, and he's thoughtful, and and that's actually quite believable there. Um, and I think the the idea of the enemy once it kind of kind of comes across is a mental little thing, which actually kind of works in this world, and like it kind of does feel like it could be secret tech that was being worked yeah. on. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just it's um, it, it. We've got a mission. Go from A to B. Yeah. Okay. We've got a mission. Go from B to C. Okay. We've got a mission. Go from C to D. Okay. We've got a mission. Go from D to blow the fuck out of E. Mm-hmm. End of film. Yeah. Uh, um. So, but um. Yeah. I mean, it it does look like it should be in a cinema. I mean, obviously, the whole story behind Spectral was that. Universal were going to release it, and then they dropped it, and then Netflix picked it up. Because um, it, it was weird, like seeing the Netflix logo pop up at the start, yeah. say, basically saying it's a Netflix film, and then the legendary pictures logo <laughs> after it. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's like, yeah, that totally does feel like the Universal logo should have been on before this. Um, it's it it, it it is a bit of cognitive dissonance for people who watch the amount of films that we do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, um, I, I, I had a decent time with it. It was a good Saturday night film. Um, but it does kind of feel like I was playing, I was watching a variant of Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, um, to be honest. And, um, I enjoy those games in chunks. Uh, I, 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 you know, I, yeah, I don't know. Three out of five sounds about right to me. I'd recommend it. I wish it was in 4K. It's a Netflix original. Netflix, come on. I'm paying for the 4K subscription. By the way, by the way, yeah. you will never, I don't think I've said this in the WhatsApp, you would never guess the one non-Netflix original 4K film that is on Netflix. 
Oh, what type of film is it? Romantic comedy. Ooh. Fuck, I have no idea what that could be. In 4K. My best friend's wedding. Oh, whoa. Who? Why? That must have cost My money best friend's... Like, literally, I was looking through last night. After I watched Spectral, I was looking through it all. As like, Netflix original, Netflix original, Netflix original, Netflix original, Netflix original. My best friend's wedding. What? <laughs> My best friend's wedding. Yeah, that's a terrible movie. I feel like it's terrible. And I started it, and I've got to say, the TriStar logo looks grainy as fuck, like as in 35mm kind of yeah. grain. It looks awesome. <laughs> but I'm not watching my best friend's wedding. Yeah. No, you shouldn't. To be fair, if Donna was around, if, if Donna was around, it's not like she's fucking dead or something. I mean, like, if she was in the room and she wanted to watch my best friend's wedding, to be fair, I'd probably be like, all right, I'm going to have a couple of beers, but I will watch this with you because I want to watch something in 4K. <laughs> what the fuck? Fair enough. That, that, that makes sense. What the fuck? What the fuck? Um... What were we talking about? We're up to Spectral. Spectral. So we're up to your number two surprise. Isn't it my number one? No, it'd be your number two. What? Oh, yeah. No, my five was Jungle Book, four Kung Fu Panda, three to Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah, Turtles, two Arabian Nights. Sorry about that, yeah, because it's your number one, your number one surprise of the year, then. Uh, Pete's Dragon. Ah, oh, gosh. Uh, a big fan, weren't you? It's fucking brilliant, is Pete's Dragon. Um... Maybe I should. Well, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised because David Lowry did Ain't Them Body Saints, and that that's not bad. But it's um, yeah, it, I don't know. It's just it's quite, it's quite a special little film. This um, it's harkening back to a kind of a simpler time of storytelling where a boy and his dragon was enough to propel a film. Um, but the the opening is pretty fucking devastating. Um, basically, when I say devastating these days, I usually mean either loss of a child or loss of a parent. <laughs> yeah, like that's the that's the shit that I that gets me uh, these days because I'm a puss puss. Um, but yeah, it, it, so you've got that. Um, but then I just wanted Pete to be happy. I wanted his dragon to be happy. I wanted Robert Redford to be happy. I wanted Bryce Dallas Howard to be happy. I wanted all the nice people to be happy for an hour and a half. And it was lovely and melancholy and the action sequences were fun. Um, it wasn't overblown. It wasn't the, the CG that was there felt absolutely appropriate. And it was just lovely. Lovely film pretty much died a death at the box office yeah, and I'm not surprised because unless you've got explosions these days it seems like you can't be in a cinema yeah it is a bit of a shame but it is true um, so yeah my number one Pete's Dragon watch it because I watched it in the cinema and in five years everyone's going to be saying I like Popstar everyone's going to be saying I watched it in the cinema I fucking watch Pete's Dragon in the cinema <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Right, well, my number one I did watch in the cinema. Um, my number one is uh, Miss uh, Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Um, Fair enough. Which is, is a surprise because it's, it's a Tim Burton movie. Um, and I usually despise any modern Tim Burton movie uh, with a deep lying passion because, as a formation where I um, just a few minutes ago, about the you know the elephants on parade, um, possible garishness of the that his adaptation of Dumbo is going to uh, produce. Um, I've actually kind of got your words a little bit on that because I expected that from from Miss Peregrine's uh, Hope to the Children, um, and was delighted in the fact that it's not that. It, it's it's him making a movie. It's him making the type of movie that you should have been making for the past twenty years rather than making the garish monstrosities that he's been making. Um, it's fantastically entertaining. Um, it's endearing. It uses CG to enhance its story rather than tell its story. Uh, it also uses um, practical effects um, to to good stead, um, like Burton did in, in some of his earlier movies, and things like um, Beetlejuice and the you know, his Batman movies. Um, and it it felt atmospheric, like I was watching a Tim Burton movie, rather than Tim Burton um, essentially uh, getting uh, a group of uh, animators to to do his work for him. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's really quite entertaining. I'm actually looking forward to to when you uh, yourself watch it to see what you you think to see if I'm just being a little bit mad or if it is actually as entertaining as I thought it was. Nice, fair enough, man. Good on you. Cool. Uh, right. So, well, we shall get back in uh, to, the, to the big ones and do. Uh, I think we've got two and three to do. Then followed by our ten worst movies, and then obviously our our number ones. Um, so, Ian, do you want to hit me with your number three movie of the year? Yeah, I, I'm, I've got a feeling this is your number one. So, the nice guys will talk about it later. It's not my number one. Fuck it now. All right. Mm. We'll we'll talk about it we'll later though. Talk about it shortly. Yes. Um, yeah. So cool. that's your number three. My number three um, is uh, Hell or High Water. Fair enough. Um, Good man. I, I I was very very taken by Hell or High Water. Um, I, what I will say is um, absolutely my three two one are fully interchangeable. Um, okay. You know, Hell or High Water, I, it could, let's just say, after I've rewatched uh, my one, two, three, um, they could quite easily change places. Uh, and then after I've watched my number two again, it could quite easily change places again with my number three, and they could just keep on bouncing around for, for all time, to be honest. Um, I, I think this is a really special movie. Um and I, I'm not going to bleat on about it again, again anymore, but the fact that it is a Western. It is a proper fucking Western. Set now, not trying to uh, be a stylistic Western or a homage to Westerns. It's just a proper fucking Western. It is men doing men things. And nobody's bitching and moaning, going, "Well, why wasn't there more female characters in it?" It's like because it's not because it's about 
two fucking brothers being chased down by two law enforcement officers. There you go. You don't fucking need anything else. Uh, it's fun at points as well. It's not all seriousness. Um, but it's fantastically acted from all involved. Um, and again, I, I think it's it, it's slightly criminal that it's not being mentioned um, amongst more awards. But um, if you ask me, you know, Chris Pine could quite easily get and quite quite deservedly should get a nod for best actor in it. I think he's he's fantastic in it. Um, you know, Pine has become kind of synonymous with uh, his work in the Star Trek movies, um, which could easily have been a, one of my surprise movies of the uh, year, to be honest, because I forgot that they were doing another Star Trek movie. So just a surprise that it existed. Um, there. Um, but also, well, um, I think Taylor Sheridan's script storytelling is, is fantastic. You know, last year he gave us Sicario, and this year he's given us um, this film. And then next year, 2017, so effectively this year, um, he's going to give us his directorial debut. Um, so that's, I think it's, it, it's nice the fact that um, a lot of our, um, both of our top tens, seem to be uh, helmed by uh, and, and thrusted by very much a new wave, the new crop of, of filmmakers or writers or etc. And I think that's that's quite comforting in the fact that we know that the next 10 years will be populated by films made by these people or written by these people. And, you know, when everyone says, oh, cinema's dying on its ass," and we go, fuck off. No, it's not. Oh, I haven't seen enough good films this year. You haven't seen the fucking films then. You know, the fact is, my my top three are virtually in, interchangeable. My four, five, and six quite easily in, in other years, I'd have been comfortable for them to have been my number one movie. Uh, but I do think Hello, High Water is, is a, a remarkable film. And I think it's one of those films where not in 10 years' time people will be saying a fucking great movie but in maybe 15 years time people will be going do you know what was a fucking great movie hell or high water yeah I've got I've, I've got a, a feeling we're going to see it pop up in the Oscar nominations so I think it's screenplay gonna, yeah yeah I mean like there's those in the know are kind of saying they could see it sneak for director as well and maybe picture because it appeals to uh, the white male steak eater populace which is still a large part of the academy and uh, you know that's it, it just it's a film that appeals to that demographic and that's fine because I'm also a white male steak eater but it, it, but... it shouldn't it, it then it, therefore if, if, if that is going to be the, the tact that they're going to say this is why it's getting nominated it shouldn't count against it because the fact is it, it's a very, 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 very good film. And as well, it, it's one, a, a great point about it that, that I think I raised when we reviewed it was it has a message. It doesn't try and hide its message from you, but it also doesn't sit down and lecture you about its message and explain it to you and draw you a fucking graph about it. It is very much saying the banks fucked you over presidents didn't fuck you over with this the banks fucked you over and the reason why the banks fucked you over is because the banks give out so much money 
to governments to legislate for their own power that the banks are essentially making criminality legal and that's how they're getting away with it yeah only going to get worse as well and it is only going to get fucking worse but we've bound to not talk about these things but if films like this give us the opportunity yeah. to do it then we can I think it's a, a remarkable movie like I say on any other year it could have been my number two or one or in any other week month or day it could be my number two or one fair enough so yep. go on then what's your number yep. two uh, my number two is Nocturnal Animals. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. It, yeah, no, it's um, I, it's just it's an incredibly striking film. I think it's uh, one which really floored me uh, right from the start. Best opening titles of the year yes. for sure. Um, just uh, I, I, I love how like provocative and playful that is, and it's just Tom Ford just saying, "Here you go." Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's unsettling. It's insanely stylish. But when that, I mean, like you like you said earlier on, like people are just like, you should be dressing people, not making films. But it's like, well, he can dress people impeccably on screen, but also make incredibly tense, visceral stuff, which feels like what Hitchcock might have been making now if he were alive today. Um, the, 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 like the whole narrative within the narrative and the, uh, the, the, the masculine identity being questioned. And it, it does, it, it's got that kind of touchstone to it, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal's on almost never better form. Amy Adams doesn't get much to do, but... I love what she's doing in there and the, the, the way you can interpret the film in, in, in terms of whose, whose viewpoint is this, is this a reliable narrator or not? I, it, it's got more going on within it than I think a lot of people have, have given it credit for. And, um, a, a great ending as well. It ends as as it should. Um, I mean, you you talked about it at at length earlier on, and I agree. Uh, but yeah, uh, not many films have quite taken me on that kind of ride of late, and left me just feeling kind of weirded out and uncomfortable when leaving the cinema. Um, it's it, it, it's a very clever film. It knows it's clever, but it still wants to have fun with the cleverness, and it's got some really like horrible, disturbing imagery in it. But then, it's also got moments of levity and Aaron Taylor Johnson on the toilet outside, like you said earlier on. It's um, I, I think it, I think it's a fucking great piece of work, obviously because it's my number two. Yeah. Right, I'll I'll give you my number two, and then we'll do. Um... We'll do our number ones. Uh, oh, fucking hell. Right, okay. Cool, okay. We'll our, but we'll, before we do our number ones, we'll do our worst. So, my number two uh, is uh, The Nice Guys. Um, yeah, fair enough. Good man. Which, again, like I say, in any of the year, could have been that. Um, there, there is a reason, and I'll give it when I give my number one, um, is I, I'll give the reason for why my number one is my number one as it stands at the moment above this movie. But... The Nice Guys is just a fucking blast. It's 
it's everything you want a Shane Black movie to be. Um, it's it's fun, it's biting, it's cutting, it's got mystery, it's got intrigue, it's Ryan Gosling again poking fun at himself in a way um, that he can also, but I think it's Russell Crowe poking fun at himself and it's it's two actors having an absolute blast with each other. Um, it's it's enjoyable cinema, and I'm so glad that it was as good as I expected it to be. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's uh, a great little mystery, but the mystery is not really the centre of it. It's it's the character, and and between the three main characters as well. Um, I, I, I think the daughter is as much a character, uh, as much an important character as uh, as uh, Russell Crowe and um, and Ryan Gosling. There, um, uh, what's her name in real life? An- Angry Rice or Angry Rice? Yeah. That... yeah, yeah, yeah. She's very, very good. Um, yeah, uh, it just it, it Gosling is on top comedic form. Um, Crow is basically just playing a a guy who goes through life just tr- like trying not to drink and kind of being a bit of a bully but with a heart of gold. Uh, it's he's he's wonderful. It's um, me- w- 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 I was going to say the most entertaining film of the year, and I I like it's very 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 entertaining. Yeah. I, I I will say that it, uh, yeah I mean we we've talked a lot about the nice guys haven't we? Oh, lost you for a second there, but yeah no sorry I, I I was just saying we've talked a lot about the nice guys I think our feelings are very very clear. Yeah. Right, well, well we shall do we shall do worse then. So rather than going through this, we'll do we'll do run through so you do your number ten, I'll do my number ten, and we'll we'll kind of rattle through because they're shit films. We don't really need to talk about that much. We'll just yeah, go through sure. why we think it deserves to be there. So number ten, what's your tenth worst movie of the year? Now you see me too. We talked about it earlier. My number ten is Cell, um, which you actually quite yeah. enjoyed, but I just thought was was utter uh, crap. <laughs> I I I think quite enjoyed is probably quite strong. I I thought it was better than you did. Yes, we'll go for that. Uh, you're number nine. David Brent, Life on the Road, the most depressing comedy of the year. <laughs> um, Blair Witch is my number nine. Uh, it's not a game changer. Stop saying things are fucking game changers, people. Hmm. Uh, my number eight is Grimsby. Um, it, 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 I, it, a movie I, it has, I will never, ever, ever, ever watch, and I will watch yeah. anything. So there's there's one moment in there which pushes vulgarity so much that kind of that almost has to be applauded, but it doesn't. It's it's a really it, it's not a very good film at all. I don't know what the fuck any of them were thinking. Yeah, but well, I never know what any of those people think of anyway. Um, oh, so is that my number eight then? Uh, yeah. Uh, Dog Eat Dog, the Paul Schrader movie. It's just a bad film. <laughs> no, no thing for it. It's just not a very good film. Yeah. Uh, my number seven is The Sea of Trees. Um, 
Because it, it's pretty much as bad as everyone was saying it was. Yeah, uh, well, and weirdly enough, my number seven is Sea of Trees. Nice, nice. Um, my number six is Dog Eat Dog. <laughs> yeah. Right, uh, my number six is Sausage Party. How so much talent in one movie and so many great comedians in one movie can produce a movie that's so not very good but thinks it's really, really good? I have no idea. My number five is Sausage Party. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking... Like, that... The fact we're not allowed to have um, most disappointing ones be on the worst list... Sausage Party really is my most disappointing film of the year. That thing was in my wheelhouse so hard, and all they did was get high and think, wouldn't it be funny if foodstuffs had an orgy? Yeah. Like, it's it's fucking... Sausage Party is fucking terrible. It It was the number... Guardian's number 10 film of the year. Ah, fuck off. Because because The Guardian, basically. Yeah, it's because The Guardian. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, go on. Uh, my number five worst of the year is uh, the Purge election year. I think that's harsh. I don't. I thought it was an absolute. If you take out a good twenty minutes of it, you'd have a better movie. Sadly, it focuses too much on the ridiculousness. Uh, it's um, yeah, it's just terrible. I, I, I really, really didn't get on with that movie. Your number four. My number four is Dad's Army, the perfect film for a Brexit Britain. <laughs> Actually, do you know what? We've got a question coming up later on. Yep. My answer is Dad's Army. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you my answer when we do that later on. Uh, I fuck it. Dad's Army, man. Jesus fucking Christ. The closest thing to an action scene in that film is when someone get a, a, a cow runs after someone. It's fucking embarrassing. That is embarrassing. Uh, my uh, number four worst movie of the year is X-Men Apocalypse. Um, wow. Okay. Like they invented a time machine. Or like they took the time machine from the uh, last X-Men movie and went back in time to make this movie in 2000. Um, because they just have better effects in 2000 than we do now in 2016. It's just a, it's a terrible movie. The film where the entire plot kicks off because Rose Byrne forgot to put a rug back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your number three worst movie of the year. Officer Down, uh, the directorial oh. debut of Slipknot's drummer. Yeah. Kim Copes in the only lead role that man has probably ever had, and yet they completely waste him. Looks like it was shot in either stairwells or cupboards. Um, It's fucking... I I don't even know how I made it through that. I didn't even that long a film, is it? No, it's like 75 minutes. It's fucking shit. My number three worst film of the year is... Oh, are you recording? Because my recording's just finished. Uh, I better be. So that thing when it's got to... Yeah, it says it's recording. Yeah, go on. Hour 40. Uh, is The Witch. Right, I'm okay, gonna, I'm fine. I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm going to move on because it's your number 10th of the year and I don't want to be a dick. So... I think well, we we reviewed it, didn't yeah. we? We did a main review. Yeah, all right, refer to that then. That. Fair enough. Yeah, that's my number three worst of the year. Uh... What's your number two worst film of the year? 
My number two, not to be confused with the autopsy of Jane Doe, which I've heard is not bad. Uh, my number two is The Corpse of Anna Fritz, um, which is a film oh. where oh, you yeah. are very much in detail, see a man, fuck a corpse, and then the rest of the film is really boring. So you've got objectionably offensive and then really boring so fuck that film yes fuck it indeed um, my uh, number two uh, worst film of the year is um, Gods of Egypt <laughs> yeah okay well that's fair it's just terrible it's, it is bad man it's a yes. really bad film I've wa- I've watched some shit because that should be in my top in my in my bottom ten, but yeah, it's not. That that, that that's staggering. <laughs> yeah. God, then what's your? Uh, my number one is the, the fright f- fright fest fest presents oh, the unfolding. Huh? The unfolding. Yeah. That one of the ones you watched for um, review. Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah, that and the corpse of Anna Fritz. Um, to be fair, I I volunteer to do these things. I'm not forced to, so it is what it is, and I get paid for it, so fine. Um, the unfolding. I've got no idea why it's called the unfolding. Um, I've got little idea what actually happened in that film. Um, fucking, let me pull up my review just so I can remind myself about it. I just remember fucking hating it. Vodzilla, the un. Folding. Um, right. What's Ivan put as the summary? Um, oh well, let's yeah. Okay. Um, let's just say one of the things for Godzilla that we have to do is uh, at the end of the review we have to give three like things and then an out of ten for those things. Yeah. And we can choose what they are, and then the average is the rating that's given. I chose two, even though we're supposed to do three. The first was any material worth at all, one out of ten. And then, is there any point adding anything, <laughs> one out of ten. Um, okay. Um, I'm going to read my review really quickly, because it's my worst of the year. A film's title is one of the most important elements in a film's marketing and likely commercial success. A title can offer intrigue or a sign of the familiar, or sometimes it can just leave you feeling entirely nonplussed. It is a warning sign going into the unfolding that with a title as generic as this, we might not be in for the most illuminating hour and a half or so. One has to imagine those behind the film must have been hoping that it would ask people... uh, what is to unfold or how much paper is going to be on screen at any one time or perhaps they felt like playing an inside joke with the next in the series called the plot development not only is the unfolding generic it is also almost admirably defiant in its attempts at utterly boring the living shit out of you horror films set in a creepy house in the middle of nowhere check character who becomes seemingly possessed by the presence of the house you betcha heavy-handed attempts to be about something in this case how the sins of the past can infect the present and the future good golly miss molly you're bang on the money does it do any of this with any sense of style or panache though 
Well, if you count an inconsistent use of fixed shot security camera footage, more traditionally shot stuff where the security camera you should be able to see doesn't happen to be there, and cutaways aching to be portentous, then your unfolding is as stylish as Terence Malick teaming up with Nicholas Winding Refn to make an 80s set neo-drenched ode to the chasing of the light. For anyone who happens to be sane, however, no, it's not. It feels as if the whole thing is made, made by a 19-year-old who's done one semester out of film school. It also shows absolutely no regard for trying to do anything actively. Bang, boom, crash, smash, ah! Did that scare you? Neither will the unfolding. Full of loud jump scares and out-of-nowhere booming voices, not an ounce of dread and menace is conjured without the soundtrack spiking up suddenly in a pathetic attempt to try and get you. You can't even laugh at the narrative at the centre of the thing, people making consistently stupid decisions and almost seemingly pay paying very little attention to outside threats, which are so obviously going to rear their heads later on. There is literally nothing to recommend about the unfolding. The Unfolding is one of the new wave of films released on VOD through Icon and Frightfest's digital banner, Frightfest Presents. <laughs> so you didn't like it then? I didn't like it. <laughs> I, will, I will not watch that. Um, right, my number one worst movie of the year. Um, I thought about putting this as my biggest disappointment. Uh, but then I realised that it wasn't. It was actually probably my worst movie of the year it, because of it was such a disappointment and because I, I think it's barely a movie, to be honest. Interesting. Uh, and it comes from one of my favourite all-time directors. It is Terence Malick's Night of Cups. Okay, I did not get to this. Yes. Did, you, did we not review it? No, man. Did we not? Right. Did I just watch Night of Cups? Yeah, it's barely a movie. Mm, it's okay. barely a movie. It, it, it's painfully dull. It's like painfully dull. Um, and it, it, it shouldn't be. Terrence Malick shouldn't be making things this dull. It's incohesive. It makes never tries to make sense. It is... It's two hours long and it feels like it's two weeks long. It's it just... Honestly, it, it's painful. I, I, I'm, actually, I, what I would say is don't. Don't watch it. There's no, there's no reason to watch it. At all. At all. It's just... Uh, it's just not very good. And there's so many people in it. There's so many people in it. You know, when you've got a film and you, you can... Uh, a cast of Christian Bale and Brian Dennehy, Wes Bentley, Imogen Poots, Freda Pinto, uh, Kevin Corrigan, Shea Wingham, uh, Jason Clark, Joel Kinnaman, Dane DeHaan, Nick Offerman, uh, and they're just some of them. When you can get those people in a movie and all you're going to do is just follow around with a digital camera doing nothing, why? It's, it, it's such a disappointment that he's gone from being one of the most interesting visual storytellers in cinema to being somebody who makes this meandering, self-righteous bullshit. It's just such a shame. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that I have not been bothered about seeing a Malik film I, I think kind of says a lot for me yeah um, it, it's absolute I, 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 yeah it's, it's terrible what what 
he's doing. It's like he needs he needs the time in between films to just yeah. start to actually make them good. You know, it's uh, yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I, can't, I, I suppose I can't say. But I trust you. On yeah, that. It, 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 I, I, the thing is, I absolutely wish it was fantastic, but it's not. No, no, yeah, one hundred percent, of course. Yeah, um, it, 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 it's like the opposite of uh, Miss Peregrine's for me. That. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yes. Okay, Ian. Um, your number one film, as if it's uh, a surprise. Yeah, no, I mean, any, fuck, man, anyone who follows me on social media will know this. Uh, La La Land. Right, my number one movie of the year is La La Land. Good, man. And, and okay, before fantastic. Before we get into it, because essentially we're going to review it as well, um, the reason being why I picked this as my number one over The Nice Guys in Hell or High Water is because I think this is a movie that the start of 2017 needed. Yeah, I agree with I that, man. Fuck, it, yeah. It absolutely, it is, it is the movie in the start of 2017 after how, how horrible 2017, 2016 was for almost humanity. Um, you know, mm. and I'm not saying that, well, you know, I'm not saying that everybody had a terrible year in. But I think generally the world got to be a, a nastier place uh, overall in 2016. That I think that a movie like La La Land and all it represents, uh, and it, 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 we'll get into it, it isn't the. It isn't all fucking stardust and you know candy floss for the movie. It, it, it's actually quite melancholy uh, in places, but it's also very joyous in places. And uh, the fact is that I mean, is his second film is it or his third film? Third, third film, film yeah. displays that we we have when it's this and his his previous film to this with Whiplash, we quite simply have a filmmaker where it's quite right to get seriously excited about. Yeah, yeah he's doing and he's doing a fucking biopic of uh, Neil Armstrong with uh, Ryan Gosling next, so Ian, that'll um, do. I really, really like La La Land. Uh, it's my number one film of the year. However, I'm going to hand over to you because you really like La La Land. Yeah, man. La La Land left me with a feeling coming out of the cinema that I haven't had since I um, watched Sunshine. Um, You know, a a, a kind of a feeling almost like it's kind of no point watching films anymore because they're not going to do for me what that just did. Um, it, it, It was an... I don't know. I'd like just... It's an absolutely perfect synthesis of respect and love for cinema up to this point, while also feeling utterly fucking contemporary. But it also feels like in 50 years' time, it's it's going to work just as well. Excuse me. Um, it's... Thank you. Um, I, I, it's just... It's an insanely special film I think um, like I mean Chazelle was already in my good books anyway um, and here he becomes 
like Danny Boyle for me because of Sunshine, I will go see anything this person does, even if the subject matter is utterly, utterly anti what I want to watch. Um, if Damien Chazelle makes a nine-hour remake of Uncle Boonmi Who Recalls His Past Lives, I will watch it because it's Damien Chazelle doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's... I, 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 I don't know. It, it, it's... The last ten minutes are utter, utter, utter perfection. I mean, the, I think the, the whole film kind of is, to be yeah. honest. Um Again, I mean, weirdly enough, like Manchester by the Sea, weirdly, it kind of feels like this is a slice of people's lives and they will continue going forward even though the, 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 the projector stops. Um, it, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it absolutely staggered me. Um and I mean, I mean, to be fair, I I think that if you're not as like invested in films, then it might not have that same effect. I mean, like it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I was recommending it to people in work um, last week, and I know a few were planning on seeing it this weekend. So conversations could be interesting in in, in work tomorrow. But um, it it's one that I do just kind of want to like grab people and say you fucking need to see this and it was shot on film and they've yeah and they've already announced the 4k blu-ray and i am all over that fucker like no one's business um benefits massively from being shot on film yeah it does you yeah i mean it's palpable like like with silence it's it's there now that we don't have nearly as many films that are shot on film when they are it's there you know um so much more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, it, it, I, I don't know. I mean, fuck. If I could have seen this projected in thirty-five millimeter, that would have been amazing. But it, it is what it is. I, it's the songs are fantastic. Um, I, 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 I mean, I, I, I just, I, I spoil, all spoilers all the time. I, I, I love the way that. Ryan Gosling plays this kind of this this dreamer who sells out slightly, but because of Emma Stone, he is still comfortable with the selling out, but he still manages to kind of reset and get back on his path by by the end, uh, which I think is is lovely. And just the whole the fact that that last ten minutes or so. They obviously hadn't seen each other in years, mm. and then all that like she sees him, he sees her, and then that whole alternate the, thing yeah, plays the out. If, the what if was good. I, oh, it was magnificent. It it, it 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 was I had tears in my eyes for it, and I was yeah, I yeah. It was it was a spectacular um, sequence. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and and it's oh dearie me. Um, I mean, I, I've talked plenty. Go um, ahead. Yeah, I was, I was so excited for La La Land because it just it looked, it looked like a whimsical, fun, a musical that wasn't. The thing is, what we've had from musicals in in recent years, modern day musicals, are either. Um, 
things like uh, Les Mis, where they're based on actual musicals. So we get that, um, and every five years you get a different version of fucking Phantom and things like that. Or their musicals um, where they're specific musicals, they're genre piece musicals. Um, whereas this year we had both uh, Hail Caesar, which couldn't quite call itself a musical. It's a film that has a few musical numbers within it. Whereas this is a, it, it, it's a musical, and it's, it, like you say, it feels contemporary, but it also feels quite... It, it's never poking funny at the fact that it's a musical. It never it never winks at the camera or anything like that. But it, it's it's so well crafted and so well put together. And it's you know, Whiplash was critically very very successful. Uh, it won Academy Awards and it, it did well at the box office. So uh, Damien Chazelle was kind of given. Um, you know, what well, I want to do this. And, and can you imagine him sat there pitching and saying, I want to, off the back of Whiplash, I want to make a, a, a romantic comedy musical, a rom-com musical, and I want to call it La La Land, and I want to cast these people in it. They must have been going, okay, right. Was that 50, 60 million we're going to give you? Which could you give 30 now? Okay. And then he's delivered... What quite simply is one of the most impressive uh, and confident and just here, here it is. Here's what I can do. I don't give a sh. It's the 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 scene where they're in the um, oh uh, the observatory and he lifts Emma Stone up and they glide up into the sky. Brilliant, fantastic. It, 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 it's magnificent and it would be quite easy to just get it wrong to just get that wrong and to go for you to be watching it going set in the real world but set outside of the real world um, it's uh, it turned up to the clock face isn't on one, two, three or four it's on six Maybe not quite six. It then ventures into four, and then it spins round to almost nine in terms of the the reality you're getting. Both the leads are, are magnificent. It helps the fact that they're both incredibly charismatic. Uh, you do believe in their story. You do get involved in it. And it's like you say, accidentally, it's not all candy floss and sunshine. There, there is a kind of, you know. Ryan Gosling's character seems to he seems to sell out because he thinks it's what's best for them. It's he thinks it's what she wants, but we don't get that. You don't get that him saying, "Well, this is what you wanted." He does say it, but she never. You never get her saying, "Why did you think that?" or anything like that. It's just he overhears her talking to a mother, and then it, it, that happens. But then he realizes that actually he likes that. He likes where he is, and but then like you see, he does manage to get back round to where he wants to be. Um, it's it's just a joy to watch, which is nice. It's it's nice to have that that feeling of of something that's so much fun to watch and so nice. And the the music is fantastic. The the the, the couple of uh, of keynotes that we get throughout it, uh, where they they're the follow throughs throughout it are. Um, 
uh, brilliant. It, it, it's it's it, it's a staggeringly confident and a staggeringly well executed movie. Um, and like I say, it's number one on my list because I think it's the movie we needed at the start of 2017 to kind of put a bit of fucking joy back in the world. And that's what this film does. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um... Even though, like you say, it has got the the, the melancholy to it as well. Um, I mean, it just the, the, the kind of the staging as well. I mean, it kind of it it. I, I think it kind of does its musical stuff most heavily in the first half hour or so, and then you've just got the the odd one or two um, uh, a, a bit uh, songs every every now and then, but. The um, another day of sun at the start. The the whole choreography of that is insane. Yeah. Uh, oh, hello. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, cool. Um, one of my um, one of my AirPods has uh, run out of battery. I'll just stick it in for a charge. Um, yeah, there we go. Um, sorry. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean the choreography of that is is nuts. Um, the it feels like a kind of an old school musical in that way, and then the um, uh, oh fuck, what's the uh, the the song uh, Emma the Emma Stone with a with her girlfriend's like another face in the crowd yeah. I think it's called or something like that. Um, the, the 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 way the camera is roaming there and when it goes into the the pool and I mean it's it's you know fantastic and yeah you know, I, I think maybe um. Is it a bit of a Boogie Nights reference going on there as yeah. well? I mean, Chazelle is a is a student of cinema, and um, I, like listening to kind of Oscar podcasts, he, like in LA, he's basically kind of known as the new Tarantino in terms of his kind of encyclopedic Not knowledge of cinema. Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of does seem like he can turn his hand to anything. Because I mean, he did Whiplash and he did this, but he also wrote Grand Piano, and he uh, yeah. did like the the first like story treatment for what became Ten Cloverfield Lane. Um, so. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of fingers and a lot of different pies. But when he actually puts his mind to it, it seems like shit. This is the kind of thing he can, he can come up with. It's it's it, it, like you said earlier on. It's insanely assured and confident, and just having the belief in yourself to be able to pull something like this off is. I mean, it's actually otherworldly to me. Um, I, I mean, rather inspiring as well, frankly. Um, I mean. Gosling and Stone, I think, are perfectly cast against each other. I mean, it, it was interesting because um, earlier on in development, they were they were talking about it being um, younger people because Miles Teller was originally mm. um, attached, and there was some scuttlebutt there where some say Teller demanded more money, even though he's very much publicly said that's bollocks. Uh, others are saying that the the studio wasn't feeling very comfortable with him, but by extension that might have been Chazelle. Um but I I I think with Gosling and Stone, the age there is they're not the fresh young faces. They are they are the the people who are still young but in the in the, the kind of the, the the shark tank of LA in which they live, they're practically OAPs. Yeah. And I, I like the, the, the I, I, I like the, uh, the the weirdness of that, and I, I think that that it, that that is perfect as a result. Um, also, I mean, like uh, Ryan Gosling's relationship with John Legend in the film, I think is really interesting. I mean, there are people backlashing against La La Land because it's a white film, and the only major black character in it is someone who like is basically the devil on Gosling's shoulder. No. The no. devil on Gosling's shoulder is 
essentially society telling him that he needs to give up on his dreams and settle, even though he's settling for still a pretty cushy gig. Yeah. Um, you know, that the whole the, the the rampant need to backlash against something, and if there's a race angle there, play it is in this case absolutely fucking redundant. Um, I mean. Yeah, I mean, he John Legend's character, Gosling's character has some beef with Legend's character, but, but it, it, once it, they get past that initial thing, that's not even mentioned it's again. It's never explained what the beef is between them, and it's already established that um, that Ryan Gosling's character can wind people up quite easily. And Straight up, so yeah. There is, there is that there. Yeah, you said that's just fucking knobheads trying to be knobheads. No, ex- exactly. Um, so yeah, I, it's um, I, I I I think it's a remarkable film. It's um, one which I'm gonna very much take to my heart. And uh, yeah, I, I I don't know how much more I have to say because all it is really is fawning. Yeah, I, I I don't have that much more to say other than the fact is that it's it's every bit as good as everyone says it is. It it really is a joy to watch. Uh, and I am going to see it again um, this week. I'm going to see it because uh, she mentioned she wanted to see it. Oh, it's brilliant. I think, I think it's a film where it's nice to experience that um, at, the, at the cinema. So I think um, Bex is out on Friday night. Uh, so she's going out with a friend. So I'm going to take Isabel uh, to see this and then take her out something to eat. That is my Friday night there. I'm done. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, to doing that. Sounds good. So, uh, right, we do have a couple of questions. So, yeah, so that was our... our before I get into the questions, uh, yeah, I think it was a great year for film. I think every year is a great year for film. I think this year was, I think was, was particularly strong, really. You know, any one of my top six, really, any year could have been a, a number one. I think we've got a genuine... A genuine classic in La La Land uh, as both of our number ones um, I think we've got a few films in there that I think over the years will get more and more traction uh, there and I struggled with my worst ten that is what I struggled with most you know and when you're struggling to name your ten worst but you can quite easily name your 15, 20 best I think that's a great year yep yeah, I I think it's been a cracking year. I think it was better than last year, and I I remember saying last year that people were saying it was a poor year, and I was telling people to get over themselves. So uh, yeah, no, yeah. there probably never will be a bad year in film because there are so many creative people who uh, who. Dad's Army.
Yeah. Uh, Fuck that noise. Yeah. Uh, Ian, what are we next week? Uh, so we're going to do some triple exploitation. Yeah. Um, we're going to do all three triple X films. I think not. Thanks for listening, folks, and we'll uh, see you for some uh, Vin Diesel Ice Cube action next week. Nice. Enjoy. Cheers, mate. Nice one. Cheers, man. Take care.